37 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Some sad news yesterday. One of the very first professional wrestling legends and a Pittsburgher has died. Bruno San Martino passed away yesterday morning here in Pittsburgh after a battle with some health issues. The Italian Superman was the second ever WWE champion and held the title for almost eight years in the 60s and 70s. A WWE statement says San Martino sold out Madison Square Garden 187 times over the years. Incredible. He was also a legend here in the Pittsburgh where he lived after immigrating to America from Italy. San Martino was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 20. 2013 with company executive Triple H posting on Twitter that Sam Martino was a friend and one of the toughest people he ever met. Sam Sam Martino is survived by his wife and three sons. He was 82. Gene Collier spoke to Bruno and wrote a column about his induction into the WWE Hall of Fame back in 2013. So we're going to talk to Gene at 845 this morning. I mean, we could talk all morning about Bruno. He's such a legend. What a remarkable life. And Triple H is really... The guy who got him to come back into the WWE because Bruno, after he was done with wrestling, really didn't like what had it yeah had he wanted no part and, of that and really didn't like it at all. But yeah, I mean, imagine being a guy who's so big you could sell out Madison Square Garden that many times. It's unbelievable. He yeah. sold out Madison Square Garden more than anybody. Mm-hmm. The Stones, any other music group, like. It's just incredible how much, like his body of work, what he put his literal body through to be that kind of legend is incredible. And and before he even got here, just what he overcame in terms of like avoiding disease and starvation. Oh, his and childhood story is unbelievable. Hiding from Nazis. Yeah. Just a, an amazing life. Here he is uh, making a visit with Rowdy Roddy Piper on Piper's Pit. I'm telling you, don't start getting smart because I said it before. I won't take it from you. Now interview me like a man or just walk out of here. Do you think, sit down then. If you want to be interviewed like a man, you sit down like a man. You think 15 years ago, when you were in your prime 15 years ago, do you figure that you could at least stand a lick of a chance against someone like myself who is in my prime now? There is a big difference. I want you to think. I know, I know that it is hard for you to think. I know, take your time. I did not make the question too hard. I realize that your ears are all nasty and naughty. I know that your nose is smeared all over your face. There is nothing wrong with me. Do you think in your wildest dreams, after 15 years, that you could even come close? I faced the best in the world, and if you were around 15 years ago, I would have squashed you like a grape, and I'll squash you like a grape now. Uh, oh my yeah, God. Bruno just wasn't meant for that. He just he didn't have it in him to be that circus. No, he's just too nice. Right, right. But he was just a beast, a uh, monster, a, beast. a yeah. monster of a man. Yeah, pretty spectacular career. Again, we'll talk uh, with Gene Collier about him this morning. Senators are looking into the sexual abuse of some U.S. Olympic athletes. Opening a hearing yesterday, Kansas Republican Jerry Moran said American athletes must be protected from sexual predators. 
I'd say everybody should be, but uh, gymnast and Olympics bronze medalist Jamie Dancher talked about being abused by former Olympics doctor Larry Nasser. She said she was bullied by Nasser supporters when she complained about his actions. Nasser has been convicted of multiple counts of sexual abuse over many years. A new hotspot in Phoenix is dedicated to the marijuana lifestyle. The lounge is called Dom Life and people can shop and have coffee and get their hair done and smoke weed. The owner got the idea from the place after being diagnosed with and eventually beating cancer in his 20s. He's been in the medical marijuana industry for years and wanted to create a safe environment for pot users. Anyone can visit Dom Life, but to smoke, you need a state-issued medical marijuana card. But wouldn't you get a contact high from <laughs> just being yeah. in there? Yeah, if you don't have a card, you might want to just stand around and breathe deeply. <laughs> After sweeping the L.A. Kings in four games, the Vegas Golden Knights are on to the next round of the NHL playoffs and now have the best odds to win the Stanley Cup at 4-1. to one. At the beginning of the season, some sports books had the team at 200-1. to one. So if somebody put down 100 bucks for the uh, expansion team to win the Cup at, the, at that time, they'll take home twenty grand if the team wins. Oh, man, that's awesome. Sportsbooks are definitely keeping an eye on this one because they could get crushed with big payouts depending on how many bets they accepted. you got to think they got a chance at this point. I mean, the way that the flower is playing, mm-hmm. they, they are the real deal. The Kings weren't some cream puff they just knocked off. Speaking of the real deal, I think James Neal is uh, on that team as well. So. Oh, yeah. A high-tech startup company is figuring out a way to preserve all the information in your brain, which would lead you to you living forever, sort of. The idea behind the project was being put together by the company Nectum is uh, to preserve all the information by freezing the brain so that hundreds or thousands of years from now, a future scientist can scan the brain and turn it into a computer simulation. Probably not a whole lot of brains we want to keep around. No. <laughs> Maybe a few, but uh, your body will, of course, be gone, but you'll be living, in a sense, and playing out new <laughs> chapters in your life. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to dedicate my brain to something that's going to happen a thousand years from now. I don't think they'd want mine anyway, so. No? No. Yes, they it's would. Nothing, nothing worth saving in they'd there. they like, ask... Uh, Robot Fern over there. <laughs> in music news, and uh, art news, John Mellencamp will celebrate the 10th anniversary of his Life, Death, Love, and Freedom album by capturing some of its main themes on canvas from April 26th through June 2nd. Mellencamp will show more than 25 of his political paintings at ACA galleries in New York City. The exhibition will carry the same name as the album. As for why he chose to tie the paintings to that album, he tells The Guardian that he thought the album approached a lot of different emotions and feelings in the human condition and that the paintings did as well. Mellencamp also tells the British newspaper he doesn't really paint for any other reason other than than himself. He describes the artwork as pretty rough and raw and primitive. He said they're like his songs, grotesquely beautiful. Finally, Pink Floyd drummer Nick Mason is assembling an all-star band to play the band's early music. Named Nick Mason's Saucerful of Secrets, the four-piece includes Spandau Ballet's Gary Kemp, the Blockheads Lee Harris, and bassist Guy Pratt. According to a statement from the group, they plan to perform live songs from albums The Piper, The Gates of Dawn, and the band's namesake, A Saucerful of Secrets. The band will make its live debut May 20th in London. Windy and cold today with rain and snow. Temperatures in the upper 30s. Wind chills today in the 20s. Uh, it's 30s. Come on. 
It's 37 degrees now at DVE. Down deep goes to Crosby. Crosby with it around the left side to Kessel. Kessel, a minute and a half into this penalty, goes to Malkin. He shoots and scores, and Guinea Malkin gives the Penguins a 1-0 lead. Oh, make me a milkshake, Malkin, and do it now. <laughs> Just a bullet shot by the Pens' center ice. Yeah, Gino getting that power play goal. Sid with that uh, the goal, he tied Mario for all-time points in the playoffs and would surpass him later in the game last night. Another goal by Crosby off the backboards, and Sid just walks into the left of Neubert and makes it 4 to nothing. That was too easy. Oh, my goodness gracious. That was way too easy. Uh, that uh, mm-hmm. game last night, uh, Flyers seem really outmatched. Yep. Yep. The combination of Couturier being out and the Penguins getting the early goal, they just look like Even with Couturier, they probably would have beaten them, I think. Right. So but we'll talk to Josh Getzoff from the Penguins Radio Network. Tammy Pescatelli joining us at eight fifteen this morning. Been a while since she's yeah. been on. I was trying to think, has she been here since we got the new studio? Has it been that long? Oh my god, I don't think she I, has. I don't think she has been either. So it's been quite a while. Uh, she's got a show at the Strand Theater in Zelian Opal coming up on May fifth. Jean Collier, as I mentioned earlier, gonna be joining us at eight forty five to talk about Bruno San Martino and his legacy and career. 9.15, Billy Gardell joining us this morning. He's got a show coming up November 17th at the Benedum Center. Uh, pre-sale tickets go on sale at 10 o'clock this morning, so Billy's going to talk a little bit about that and some other details awesome. on tickets. And we're going to have a pair of tickets to give away early this morning, so we'll do that. Stan Saverin, our regular 9.45 Thursday guest, joining us this morning as well. It's the DVE Morning Show. Show. Hey, fellas. You want to watch a Pens game down outside the arena? We're having trouble getting out of work early enough to get a seat in front of Mario's TV that ain't clear up the Hill District. It's not exactly gentrified up there yet, you know. Worried about getting blue balled by spring. Literally. And figuratively. And don't want to take the chance on freezing for hours before puck drop. Because that Jag Kevin Benson swore it was gonna finally warm up then leave it to us i'm tim kabaki and i'm his brother troll he's my nose better as the pittsburgh, the pittsburgh big, big tv, TV kings. kings we'll get down to ppt center dunce it's console arena no not no more console uh-huh. fracked all the gas out of pa and they're drinking somebody else's milkshake now so what's it called the paint down ppg trib arena as part of the premium playoff package, we'll teach you how to pronounce the name of the arena. Irregardless, we'll get you down to Mario's TV early and reserve your premium viewing spots. Our seat place holder, Dennis, will guide you through a variety of packages customized to meet your Penguin fan needs down the arena. Silver and gold packages include transfer of your favorite porch couch to a sightline free spot in a TV lot. One way. Yeah, we ain't taking it back. Ain't we done enough for you? Premium packages also include... A little Playmate cooler full of Isley's Jumbos. They're hammier. And a Dan Potash cardboard cutout. To conduct your own in-between period fake interviews. Ham and thanks, Dan. Remember... Outside of PPP Paintery... Paint Gazette Pavilion... Absolutely no alcohol is permitted. Wink. Nudge. We're good, comp. Know what I mean?
Wuhokiwa. Get all banged up. Mom's the word. You just need a vape? Just ask what's up. Order your premium packages now and receive a book of Mad Libs of the Philadelphia Flyers for in-between periods. Here's one we filled out last night. It had us in stitches. The Philadelphia Flyers are a bowl full of grumpies. In the National Fart Suckers League. Their coach, Dave. Tired stall is relying on forward. Taint stain, Giroux. To not. Felch goats. Priceless. Hilarious. And free to the first 10 purchasers of the Pittsburgh Big TV Kings premium packages. The Pittsburgh Big TV Kings. Yins guys will love us. Flyers back with it. Long lead pass. Lawton. Looking for Raffle going to the goal. The Penguins have bodies there to break it up. Now back on the attack, Malkin. He's coming left wing with Kessel on the right. Spins it to him, and he shoots the puck, and he scores! Phil Kessel gives the Penguins a 2-0 lead. Malkin, great pass. Kessel, great shot. The Pens have a two-goal lead. I've seen that fist before. And prior to that, the Flyers really kind of seemed to have some life and were really coming on strong, but that's mm-hmm. how quick the, the the Penguins can turn it and just took the wind out of their sails. One shot from Phil the Thrill. <laughs> Hopes are dashed. By the end of the game, uh, they were chanting eagles and booing <laughs> right. and a lot of people left early, but... They were, cheer- they were chanting, refs, you suck, which I think is a, is a, is a fine departure from the other one that just made no sense, which is Crosby sucks. Because well, obviously he uh, he doesn't. He, no, he doesn't suck. Especially uh, there. <laughs> so game five, uh, the Penguins could wrap it up Friday night, 7 o'clock at PPG Paints Arena. We're going to be talking with Josh Getzoff of the Penguins Radio Network at 7.45 this morning. Mike's got uh, full sports report coming up next. There were some other NHL games last night, so he'll have that and more. It's the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuit of Fort DVE Sports, brought to you this hour by Xfinity from Comcast. The Penguins got off to a fast start last night in Game 4 of their Eastern Conference quarterfinal series with the Flyers in Philadelphia. Evgeny Malkin scoring at 4.33 of the first period on the power play gave the visitors a one to nothing lead, but it was the Phil Kessel goal at 14.37 of the second on a two-on-one with Malkin that really got the Penguins going. At least that was Malkin's assessment after the Penguins dominating 5 nothing triumph. Huge second goal, I think, like, uh, they, like, dominate, like, 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 five, like, six minutes, and we just, like, uh, take moment and score, you know, it's a huge goal for sure, but, uh, like, all 60 minutes we play, like, a uh, great game. Yeah, the Penguins uh, countering a Flyers push, maybe the only Flyers push of the night. Maybe the final push. Maybe. Uh, Philadelphia uh, threatening to score, if not getting great shots on net during that period, but uh, an errant pass by Scott Lawton uh, got Kessel and Malkin going the other way in a hurry, and uh, from two to nothing, it got out of hand in a hurry for Philadelphia. The Flyers, as the game progressed, had less and less pushback. They had less and less engagement and seemingly less and less give a damn. Yeah, it looked more and more like they were just resigned to the fact that this is done. I, I couldn't I couldn't believe their lack of intensity. 
the Penguins were out there winning all the puck battles. They just don't have it. Yeah, and they didn't. Uh, the, the Flyers didn't seem to uh, be real concerned about uh, going down without a fight. Bob Erie made the comment at one point during the second period: "When you're checked out, you're checked out." Period. Okay, this ain't happening. Cruise control. You know that. Uh, not not a good look for Philly at all. Uh, Elliot gets chased again. Not even necessarily his fault. Well, I thought uh, I don't know. The second goal was really bad. Oh yeah, that Phil the, the, the Phil was a, the clunker. Really bad. You got you're down one nothing. You got to make a save there. Uh, the Latang goal. I'll, I'll agree with that. I didn't think that was his fault. I didn't think the Malkin goal was his fault. But probably some of that too. Bill was uh, Dave Haxtell sensing his team wasn't giving any kind of effort, and he was just trying to maybe jumpstart the troops a little bit. Uh, it didn't work. Uh, the Penguins. Pretty much doing what they wanted when they wanted and uh, doing it without winger Patrick Hornquist. Here's head coach Mike Sullivan. Yeah, I, th- I thought uh, I thought it was a real solid game by by the whole group. Um, you know, what, one of the things I've really grown to admire about this group of players is they never look for excuses, and it's a next man up attitude, and that's how it has to be this time of year. And uh, you know, I, I thought. Uh, you know, the guys that stepped in, Dominic Simon had a strong game. Some guys were asked to play uh, in other situations. Um, and I thought, uh, to a man, everybody did a solid job. Sidney Crosby with a couple of points passes Mario Lemieux for the all-time Penguins lead in postseason scoring, 173 points to 172. Chris Letang with a goal ties Larry, Mo- Larry Murphy Excuse me for the uh, most points by a defenseman in the postseason in franchise history with 72. And Phil Kessel had a goal and an assist. He's got 48 points in the playoffs with the Penguins. He is now in sole possession of 10th place on the (laughs) Penguins' all-time playoff scoring list. Game 5 is Friday night here at the PPG Paints Arena at this point. Guys, I'm questioning whether or not the Flyers will show up. <laughs> it was so lackluster, it almost seemed like it was not a playoff game. It seemed like it was a Tuesday game in January. I, uh, in my notes in the third period, uh, I wrote down, this is boring. <laughs> yeah. Re- I think it's... Remarkably non-competitive. Yeah. It was over by that point. Yeah. Over. And then they That's killed a four-minute penalty. I get that they're not as good a team, but... You got to have more effort than that. They j- they don't have the horses. They just don't. I think they realized that sometime, uh, maybe right after Phil Kessel scored last night, because their start to the second period was maybe the worst they looked all night. The first ten minutes, I don't think they got a shot on goal. Uh, it was embarrassing. That's you know you go to the locker room down two nothing. You figure you're going to come out and make one final stand. Uh-uh. I've, I've got to think that the injury to Couturier just completely crushed their hopes. Yeah. yeah. Like, emotionally, that killed them. Well, then they're weak, in addition to not being very good. No, <laughs> and then Crosby it, scores right away. It's and a critical it was, injury, I mean, but you can't, you can't let that happen. But they already knew that they were outmatched, yeah. and losing him was like, oh, well, we don't have a chance now. No, you still try. Yeah, you should. Seriously. You're getting that, pay- a really big, fat paycheck. Yeah. That was I, I Giroux's got what one goal in this series? He's minus seven. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick a guy. I mean, it's the whole. It's top to bottom. They're not. They, the, the effort last. 
If I'm the ownership in Philadelphia, I'm firing the coach, and the reason is not because you're losing to the Penguins because your team's not as good as the Penguins, but it's the total lack of give a damn uh, last night, and they did it that way for large stretches in game one, I thought, too. Yep. If you can't come with more than this, then you got the wrong guy pulling the strings. Tuesday or Friday and early Sunday, they played well. The Flyers. Yeah, the first yeah. 10 minutes. There were, yeah, the first period of game three was really good. Yeah. And their third period of game two was better than the Penguins just because the Penguins were melting down and doing some of those uh, frustration-related things that uh, we thought they were maybe past. They had a little relapse, but the rest of the time, this has been a non-starter. It's just one team's really good and the other is not. And conversely, when you're getting the kind of effort you saw last night from Rue Weedle and Kuhnhockle and Alexiak. Oh, my God. I great mean, point, Bill. The one penalty kill where Kuhnhockle's diving twice. He, he yeah, makes a diving play. The second st- effort. Still didn't get it out, so he does it again. Did anybody from the Flyers try that hard all night? Nope. Game five, Friday night. Let's just end this. Let's end it. Sensing that's uh, the Penguins' intention. 3-1 Tampa over New Jersey. The Lightning lead that series 3-1. 3-2 Nashville over Colorado. The Predators are up 3-1. And 2-1 the Sharks beat the Ducks. San Jose sweeps Anaheim. Second first-round sweep along with Vegas over L.A. Tonight, it's the Bruins at the Maple Leafs leading two games to one and the Capitals at the Blue Jackets trailing two games to one. Uh, nice uh, end to the Colorado series for the Pirates. It wasn't a good series as a whole, but the Bucks salvaged one game 10-2 yesterday afternoon at PNC Park. They got some nice work out of Chad Cole, who goes six innings, four hits, one run. It was earned three walks and four Ks. And how about a lineup that included... Adam Frazier in right field, David Freeze at third base, hmm. Sean Rodriguez in left field, Elias Diaz catching, and Max Moroff at second. Is this the bench game? Yeah, you know, the old day game after a night game, and uh, let's get the JV some playing time. <laughs> Pirates turn that group into 10 runs and 13 hits. They are uh, in Philadelphia tonight. Wow. Jamison Tyone against Jake Arietta. Penguins had so much fun winning in Philadelphia. Maybe the Pirates can give it a try this weekend. Let's do it again. Do they have a soccer team? (laughs) (laughs) See where I'm going with this? Yeah. (laughs) They they play badminton there? I don't know. Any sport? Wow. Uh, I was just incredibly one-sided last night. To me, still, the biggest disparity in this series is in goal. I would agree. Elliot just doesn't doesn't belong. Not in this <laughs> yeah. series. Matt Murray, by the way, has shutouts in four of his last six postseason games. How about that? And just looks just so steady. Well, you know, let's, let's, rock. Let's, unflappable. Let's continue to talk about the other guy. You know, <laughs> just because. Well, now that's what Mark Andre Fleury. That that's what this is going to be. <laughs> now there are, it's two trains in one track, Mike. You know where this is headed. Oh, there's a few more trains. I mean, how there's a few more trains? How great would that be? I I might run away forever. <laughs> I want to see that more than anything. That might make my head explode. <laughs> it would be fun. That's like a great tragedy. I want to. I gotta see that. Ah, what a story that would be. Who's Vegas playing next round? Uh, I don't know. Is it the... Let's go other team. 
<laughs> is it the sharks? Oh, whoever they sub root for. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll talk about how people are more willing to admit they're getting kinkier about sex. And uh, 745, we'll talk to Josh Getzoff about the Penguins. Tammy Pescatelli joining us at 815. Gene Collier, Billy Gardell, and Stan Saverin. Huge show today. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford. Bill... When do you start swearing in the morning? <laughs> Almost right away. Yeah, I would say before I even get out of bed. Yeah. And in fact, it might be as soon as the alarm goes off. Yeah. Uh, the average person starts cursing by 10.54 a.m. That is late. Whoa. I've already gone so deep. Yeah. I'm, I'm already the B-sides. I'm deep cutting it by I might that be point. done by then. Yeah, uh, I might be all sworn out. According to the new uh, this new study, the average American experiences 1,205 stressful events a year, which includes everything from sitting in standstill traffic to getting pissed off when your Wi-Fi cuts out. Again, I that's uh, I would maybe hit that in a month. Mm-hmm. If it's little annoyances like your Wi-Fi cutting out. My Wi-Fi has been. I mean, our Wi-Fi here kind of stinks, but my yeah. Wi-Fi at home is is great. Uh, another favorite way to express, or our favorite way to express frustration, is swearing. The average person, fun. as I said, first swear word flies at ten fifty four a.m. every day. Maybe they average it out. Maybe it's earlier weekdays, but later on weekends. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say maybe. I mean, are people sleeping in? Twenty five percent say they don't even make it to nine o'clock. No. <laughs> Think about 9 o'clock here. By 9 o'clock, no one's even really talking. Uh, in the studio? Yeah. Yeah, we're like, done. We're done. We've expressed all of our angst and anger. Yeah, the top 10 things that stress us out on a regular basis. Money is number one. Always. Although I don't know if I swear about money. Because that money is like an ongoing... Yeah. Thing in your life. It's not like that guy cut me off in traffic, you MF. Right. You know, with money, you have to pace yourself. It's a yeah. marathon. Ah, here's one that we, we know not getting enough sleep. Sleep. Yeah. That's what I said. Sometimes, sometimes the first swear word goes before my feet are on the floor. You got to be effing kidding me. Like, uh, the alarm already? F. Our health? Who swears about their health? I don't know. Dr. Vinny Boombots? I guess this isn't swearing. This is just stre- things that stress us out. Our job, our significant other, our kids, our home life, family responsibilities, and the news and politics round out the top 10. How do people deal with stress? Watching television and exercising. The two most popular, but number one is listening to music. Yeah, I had to back off of news and politics because it was just too much. Just too much. Yeah. It's it's almost like it's designed to piss you off now. Pretty much. And I just can't because I don't get enough sleep. <laughs> I have kids. I wake up early. I'm stuck you're in just traffic. Getting, you're getting it from all sides. Right. I'm in a I'm in a battle. The last thing I need to do is be taking on more water weight. <laughs> F that. <laughs> News coming up at the top of the hour, and we're going to talk about uh, 
some of the things that people are willing to admit about their sex lives, uh, lives people are getting more weird, which isn't everybody. That's coming up. It's the DVE Morning Show. Wind chill in the 20s today. Come on. Mid-April. It's 37 now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. I'm Val Porter. The defense put their star witness on the stand in Bill Cosby's sex assault uh, retrial yesterday. Marguerite Jackson testified that Andrea Constand once talked about framing a high-profile person so she could make a profit. Constand told the jury Monday she doesn't know Jackson and doesn't remember ever having such a conversation. Jackson was blocked from testifying at the first trial. Editor and publisher Judith Regan also took the stand yesterday. She said model Janice Dickinson insisted her story of allegedly being drugged and raped by Cosby be included in her 2002 memoir, No Lifeguard on Duty, but that story never made it into the book. Dance Mom star Abby Lee Miller has cancer. People reports the 51-year-old was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma following an emergency surgery she had early yesterday morning, uh, Tuesday morning rather, for what was believed to be a spinal infection. Doctors say Miller is recovering well, but that she will need another surgery. They also still need to figure out what stage the cancer is in. Miller recently spent two weeks in the hospital for a thyroid condition. She's currently serving out the rest of her one-year prison sentence for bankruptcy fraud in a halfway house. She is expected to be released next month. According to a new study, working on a higher floor in your office building might be affecting your behavior. Researchers found employees on floors near the top of office office buildings take more risks with their decisions on the job than those who work on lower floors. Seems that increased elevation creates a subconscious effect on your sense of power. So when you feel more powerful being elevated, you're more likely to take those risks. Closer to the penthouse, you feel like you're more of a big wig. Maybe that, yeah, maybe that's it. Uh-huh. You're down on the floor level, you're like all right, who am I kidding? I'm on the bottom. Better play it safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if fidelity in a romantic relationship is important to you, well, you wouldn't be alone, but you might not realize there are a lot of things you can both do to help influence uh, if you're faithful to one another. How about just don't cheat? I mean, that's number one, How I would about think. Just have some self control. Uh, marriage experts say there are seven unexpected conversations you can have that help keep couples faithful. Conversations, now this might surprise you, conversations about other people cheating. It can help you to keep the same thing from happening in your own marriage if you talk about, well, this is what happened to them and we don't want it to happen to us. Trade some horror stories. Right. Or just some horror stories. <laughs> or that. Conversations about why they shared things with someone else and not you. It seems like that might be a fight. Like maybe a work spouse, work, yeah. work wife or work husband. Conversations about how you define cheating. I'd say that's a pretty important one. Yeah, that one needs to happen pretty early. Otherwise, how do you know if you're cheating? Conversations about your love languages. Ensure- it's not cheating if, if I wear a condom, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just checking where I'm just taking your pulse on this. Uh, conversations about your love languages. Ensuring your partner feels loved is essential to creating a lasting relationship. One relationship expert says the risk of not meeting your partner's need to feel loved can lead to one seeking to be fulfilled outside the relationship. And if you don't know how they express, communicate, or feel love, then it can sometimes be difficult to meet those needs simply because you just don't know. That's right. You have to learn 
the other person's language. Learn the language. We what, uh, do, what do they speak? We we went to couples therapy, and our therapist gave us a book called The Five Languages of Love. Yeah. And so we both found out that we were driving around with empty tanks. <laughs> and how do we fill each other's tank? That's the most important thing. Yeah, you got to fill the love and tank. And so I found out what my language is. It's actually, it's a combination of two. It's words of affirmation and acts of service. So I want her to tell me I'm good. When you take out then, the garbage. And do a, ah, a bunch of stuff for me. It's all becoming very clear. Yeah. And her language is, you know, I still don't know. <laughs> she didn't tell We're you. We're working on it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep this one to myself. Uh, conversations about family traditions. It can help you feel a shared emotional connection. Here's yes. A, yeah. For sure. Yeah, you want to share things with family and feel like you're part of a community and you belong and all that stuff. You can't isolate yourself as a couple. That's... You're in no man's land if you do that. Right. Conversations about sexual satisfaction. Again, seems like that should be a no-brainer. Yeah. Just or, like what's cheating, you should have the conversation about sexual satsatisfaction. Or, you know, sexual dissatisfaction. Well, you know, yeah, it all goes together. There's got to be right. maybe maybe a way to make it less like confrontational. Like maybe if there was like a suggestion box at the <laughs> side of the bed. <laughs> and just a couple ideas, you maybe know, next time. Kick this around. You know, see if this uh, tickles your fancy. <laughs> maybe it really tickles your fancy. Actually, yeah, that's uh, a tickler. Uh, and conversations about each other's days, the simple stuff. It helps boost the emotional connection. You feel like you've confided in them about the ups and downs of your days. And the experts say you should focus on listening and not giving unsolicited advice. I swear to God, that is the most important thing for a female, for the guy to Just listen. Listen. Don't, listen. don't give advice. And it is tough. <laughs> Tough to uh, hold your tongue. It really is. And I, I always tell people that are just getting into relationships or they're newly married, you have you have two choices. You can either be right or you can be married. What do, <laughs> like, what do you want to be? Because guys that always want to be, you know, they're always, always trying to be like a lawyer. Like, hold on. I got all this evidence. I have it compiled, and I got you nailed to the wall. Here's like, the reason. Here's this, 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 and this. And the woman's like, "You're not, you're not even listening to me. <laughs> have you ever listened to me? Do you ever pay attention?" Um, speaking of the suggestion box and tickling your fancy, for a lot of people, normal sex just doesn't do it. Uh, seems people are getting more weird or they're just more willing to talk about how freaky and deviant they are. Or with all the, the you know, the, the porn that's accessible now, maybe they're building up a tolerance. Yeah, or the, it's giving them new ideas, maybe. Yep. More than one-third of those questioned in a new survey say they've had sex somewhere adventurous like a hot tub or the beach or a football game. <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, oh, wow. That seems weird. That's aggressive. Two-thirds have incorporated toys into sex by the time they hit their mid-30s. 34% have had a threesome. 44% of men and 33% of women use emojis to sext at least once a week. Now you know what that eggplant means. Yes. 
And yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a hey, hon, can you stop by the grocery store and get some vegetables? I wanted to make eggplant parmesan. Today. <laughs> if he tells you he wants to make eggplant parmesan, <laughs> you better. Get out <laughs> Put the on sauce. some sexy pants. <laughs> and 41% of women send nude photos to someone at least once a week. At least. At least once a week. Once a week. I feel like That's millennials are uh, skewing this. 41%? That's crazy. I would bet most women have never sent a nude photo ever. Yeah. Well, before, like... This is a new thing. You have to have grown up in this time of cell phones. Like you have to have come of age in the time of cell phones because if you're our age, like if you're 30 or older, you're not going to take a nude photo yourself with somebody's camera unless you find it on the table at somebody's wedding. Like remember when people <laughs> used to do put that? Put down your pants. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> and just leave them a little treat for their uh, wedding album. The pictures with grandma. <laughs> Whoa, hey. Uh... But you know, you're, you, most people aren't confident enough to take a nude photo themselves when you have to take it to Farmore or Photo Hut and get it <laughs> developed. You know? I don't remember who it was that said it, but for younger people, that's just a thing they do now. Yeah. Send, just, send pictures of their junk or <laughs> nude pictures. I, I told you, I met this this um, this girl who uh, is, is young. She's a millennial. And she said that that is almost like immediate in texting with a guy now. That's great, man. She I'm just glad, expects I'm glad I'm it. Old. She just expects it. Like, uh oh, here it comes. <laughs> it's usually like the first one's like, "You up?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am. Sup? Oh, good lord! And then, dong. <laughs> In movie news, Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One has grossed four hundred seventy-five million dollars worldwide in its first three weeks, which has taken the director to a place no other director has gone before. Spielberg has become the first filmmaker to surpass $10 billion in worldwide box office figures. According to Box Office Mojo, Spielberg's biggest commercial successes worldwide were the original Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and E.T. Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson is about $3 billion away from reaching uh, Steven Spielberg, he's followed by fellow blockbuster wow. makers Michael Bay, who did Transformers, James Cameron, who did Avatar and Titanic, uh, and David Yates, who did the Harry Potter series. Two highly anticipated Marvel superhero movies are coming out in May. Avengers Infinity War hits theaters April 27th and will unite the superhero team with Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Black Panther, Black Panther recently became the highest-grossing solo superhero movie of all time, making $1.3 billion worldwide. On May 18th, Deadpool 2 will finally be released, bringing back Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool, directed by David Leach of the John Wick movies. Three more Marvel movies will be coming out this year. Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out July 6th. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, the Spider-Man spin-off Venom, which I think stars Tom Hardy. Oh, as Venom. I think oh, he's in that. Awesome. Yeah, that's out in October. And Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse going to be released in December. Into the Spider-Verse. But I feel if you're a Marvel fan, you probably know all that stuff already. Oh, for sure. 
Access TV will devote a block of its programming this Sunday to punk rock with half-hour rock legends documentaries on The Clash and Green Day, concerts by the New York Dolls and Blondie, and films about Dave Navarro and Green Day as well. Windy and cold uh, winter day today. Uh, rain and snow, temperatures in the upper 30s with wind chills in the 20s today. It's 36 now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Mike Pursuta has sports coming up at the bottom of the hour. We have a pair of tickets to give away to Billy Gardell's show coming up on November 17th at the Benedim Center. Billy going to be on this morning uh, talking a little bit about the ticket sales yes. today and tomorrow and uh, more details. He's going to have a special guest which hasn't been named yet. I know. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Oh, do you? I do. Will you tell me when people are going to be excited? Yeah. All right. Is he going to announce it or is it just going to be I don't know that. Well, we'll ask him when he's yeah. on. Uh, so he'll be on at 9.15. Josh gets off talking pens at 7.45. Tammy Pescatelli, she has a show at the Strand Theater in Zealion Opal May 5th. She'll join us uh, for the show this morning at 8.15. And uh, did I say Gene Collier? He's going to talk about Bruno Sammartino because he talked to him uh, right when he was inducted into the mm-hmm. WWE Hall of Fame. 2013. Yeah, Stan Saverin joining us at 945 as well. It's the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuit of Fort DVE Sports brought to you this hour by Golden Oak Lending. What I was most curious about leading into Game 4 of the Pens Flyers Eastern Conference quarterfinal wasn't necessarily... What the final result would be, that would was, of course, going to be the most significant element of it. But uh, we talked about this with Phil Bork. We talked about it with Mark Madden. I really wanted to see how the Penguins approached it, how they went about their business. How would they play having reestablished the lead at 2-1? to one? Uh, They were dominant in Game 1, then Game 2 couldn't get the puck in the net for trying. Uh, it ended up getting away from them. They melted down in the third period, reestablished control in Game 3. How would they deal with Game 4? Would they come out? on their details? Would they come out buttoned down? Would they play with effort and execution? Would they handle uh, adversity and hiccups and breaks? Uh, Or would they come out and kind of lollygag around and play like a team that was pretty convinced it was going to win the series eventually and uh, there wasn't necessarily uh, any any importance or urgency about taking another step toward that end tonight? Well, Penn's Penn's 5, excuse me, Flyers nothing, uh, check that box emphatically. That was a dialed-in hockey team last night. Not spectacular necessarily, but relentlessly competitive. And uh, Philadelphia had no answer, and Mike Sullivan was pretty happy about that. I give our players a lot of credit. I think their their, their focus is there. Their attention to detail is there. Uh, Their resilience when, you know, as as we talk with our guys all the time, it's not always going to go your way. You know, the most important thing is how we react as a group and how we handle those uh, momentum swings and those surges in the game. It's a big part of winning at this time of year. Yeah, the Pens have figured that out, haven't they? They really have. That when, when he talks, and he has talked about this stuff since he has arrived on the scene, relentlessness and resilience and attention to detail, they're not just words, they're not just cliche phrases that you throw out there. It's... It's the protocol. It's the process. They Level ha- of compete. Thank you. They have the talent. If they're playing the right, if they're playing the right way, it should work more often than not. Not every time, but the majority of the time. And I think the Penguins figured that out. The uh, Sullivan got them to remember that uh, shortly after his arrival, and they have not been stopped yet in the postseason. And they're now on the verge of uh, winning a ninth consecutive postseason series 
under Mike Sullivan. They've got a three games to one lead thanks to that five nothing win last night. And uh, what did you see last night? You saw the timely saves from Matt Murray, and you've seen that brick wall in this series, just stoning them. You've seen the stars shining. Of course, uh, the penalty Crosby, Castle, Malkin. The penalty Doolin. kill has, has been good. <laughs> Uh, the power play's been what they needed it to be. Guys like Dumoulin and, and Gensler are kind of second-level guys. They're not the stars, but they're getting depth of contribution. Uh, they are playing well in transition. They're not turning the puck over. They're blocking shots. They're doing so many things that add up to win, win, win. And uh, from Mike Sullivan's perspective behind the bench, uh, it continues to start from the top. For me, it always starts with the leadership of the group. And I, I think we have a battle-tested group. We've got... We've got great leadership. Um, there hasn't been much that they haven't been through, so they have that experience to draw on, and it gives them that perspective. Uh, and and then usually, if we need, if if we need a momentum change or uh, something of that nature, it's usually our leadership group that that um, that goes out there with a second effort shift or uh, you know or or a really good shift that that helps us. To turn the turn the tide a little bit, and so or a big goal, for example, and uh, and that's what these guys have, have shown an ability to do. So it, it's it's an important part of winning. Uh, I think the resilience at this time of year and your ability to to handle the adversities, the ebbs and flows of of not only the game but of series, and uh, it is such a critical important part of of learning how to win at, in 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 a pressure environment like the playoffs. And I think from the rest of the NHL's perspective, uh, the Penguins knowing how to win because they have won the last two seasons, that's the elephant in the room. Been there, done that. And they have that confidence and resilience and swagger, and however you want to characterize it. They're going to be a tough out because they're not going to beat themselves. Last night, to me, the first period in that game was as devastating as I've seen in this series, and not necessarily on the scoreboard, just in terms of, you know, Couturier's not a go. They're figuring out, okay, are we going to have what it takes to make up for this deficit in the lineup? And then right away, Crosby lights the lamp. Yeah. And uh, then the Flyers... Or Malkin lights the lamp, excuse me. Well, Crosby set him up. It was a brilliant play, walking out from below the goal line. And the cross crease pass for an open look, tough angle, but an open look. And then they respond with the surge of their own, keep it in the uh, the Penguins' end for almost two full minutes. Yeah. Except, what did they get out of it? Nothing but a zilch turnover, transition, two on one, Malkin and Kessel, and it's Bang. in the net again. Now, maybe uh, when the Penguins are playing Boston, uh, Kessel might have to make a better shot there. You know what? Well, he can rip it better than he did right there, but. Uh, the way the Penguins reacted and, and counterpunched, uh, when, when they're as locked in as they are right now and as they have been for most of this series, they are going to be a tough team to beat. And uh, there was maybe some question about that after Game 2 got away and it was uh, a 1-1 series and the Penguins coming off an aesthetically poor third period. So now you're going to Philadelphia, it's 1-1. Hey, what's going to happen? The Penguins knew what was going to happen. Uh, Crystal Tang said... The Penguins embrace such situations, particularly when they get to play a couple of road games in Philly. 
Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Like uh, it brings a lot of emotion. We have top players on our team that uh, they love the stage. You know, they they want to be the guy that comes in a, a hostile environment and, and and make the plays and make us win. So uh, it's always fun to play here. It's it's so much emotion. The games are pretty hyped up. Yeah, fans flyers when when those two get together at the other end of the Commonwealth, guys. It's always funny in Philadelphia. It's it's absolutely hilarious. Two games, they outscore them ten to one. They only got to light the lamp once. Just, and I, I, I didn't think the Penguins were spectacular last night. Did you? I just thought they were very good and very consistent and very efficient. Yeah, the Flyers had no answer for any of that. None. Just a befuddled, uh, almost you know stuck in neutral team because. Uh, they didn't know which way to go or how to respond. Um, That's what wave after wave yeah. after wave of Penguins forecheck will do to you. You know, and it's, it, you talk about wave after wave. You know, <laughs> Connor Sherry had five shots last night. Led the team. He could have had three goals. That's the third line. Right, Riley uh, Sheehan had three shots and a goal. That's the fourth line. Tommy Kuhnhackle. Drew and Voracek and those guys aren't not only not matching Crosby and Malkin, they're not matching anybody. That's what it looks like when that happens. Game five is Friday night at the PPG Paints Arena. Game six, if needed, would be Sunday back in Philly. And game seven, if necessary, would be Tuesday back here. But uh, Why would they want to go back to Philly? Yeah, I think the Penguins... Um, they, they know the importance of getting that short one in here right off the bat. We play the winner of the Columbus... Columbus Washington. and Washington. Uh, by the way, this Penn's Flyers series, uh, it's making a little NHL history. It is the third in Stanley Cup history in which the first four games have all been decided by at least four goals. <laughs> that happened in 1996 between Montreal and Chicago, and again in 1995, Detroit and San Jose. It's supposed to be harder than this. It, yeah. It, it's supposed to be a one-goal game or a one-goal game with an empty netter yeah. or, or overtime. It's not, it's, it's, not not blowouts. Su- it's not supposed to be this ain't happening. There's no doubt about it. But that's what this has looked like. It's this looked- playoff is starting off at the extremes. I mean, this series and then you look at the Washington-Columbus series, every game is yeah. going to OT. I mean, I mean and that's kind of how it's supposed to be. The degree of difficulty is going to go up. They're going to have to be better than this. But I just... Their their level of focus and engagement the last two games has really been impressive and I think revealing, mm-hmm. and uh, that should be that should be kind of tantalizing for Penguins fans because I know as much fun as everybody's having uh, watching the Flyers come unglued, everybody wants another cup, right? That's yep. the, that's the bigger deal. And uh, three leave. So far, so good. Uh, Tampa's up 3-1 on New Jersey after a 3-1 win last night. Nashville is up 3-2 on Colorado after a 3-2 win last night. And San Jose completed a sweep of Anaheim 2-1 last night. But, Val, that was another series that was not really competitive. Mm-hmm. The, the Sharks, or excuse me, the Kings and the Knights was pretty competitive. Vegas just won every game. But uh, San Jose, for the most part, uh, and there's an 8-1 win in, against Anaheim in there. And I think the series' goals total was 16-4. to that's how, uh, that's how you get sweeps. Buccos salvaged one out of three against Colorado yesterday afternoon, 10-2. to The Pirates had the Sunday JV lineup in, and they still got 10 runs 
and 13 hits. They are in Philadelphia tonight. Clint Hurdle. Keep the party going. Here's my suggestion. Get it deep. Play well in transition. <laughs> Don't turn it over. It's worked all week. Why shouldn't it continue? Jamison Tyone against Jake Arietta. Oh, my God. If they show Arietta tonight, that's going to be amazing. I watched some of it yesterday. I'm going to watch that game tonight. Sure. Tyone is uh, – uh, He's must-see TV. He is one of those guys now you really anticipate his starts. And uh, he's got another one tonight against uh, – a guy that the Pirates have gradually started to figure out. Or. Too bad it didn't happen. While he was cycling? When it really needed to happen. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, water under the bridge. Boy, the Flyers stink. Yeah, they're not good. Uh, yeah, they're they're bad. Elliot. They don't have a lot go of home. Just don't, That's just not a playoff team. Just. Too many times in this series, a couple times in particular, the effort has just not been there. Yep. Thanks, Mike. Josh gets off from the Penguins Radio Network, joins us when we come back. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. Penguins with another win against the Flyers last night. They could end this series Friday at PPG Paints Arena. Joining us now, Josh gets off from the Penguins Radio Network. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Josh, give me three things the Penguins have. Uh, you could give me a 20 probably, but give me three things the Penguins have that the Flyers just don't. Well, uh, the the personnel, I could give you three that just no other team has, and that's uh, Matt Murray, Sidney Crosby, and Evgeny Malkin. That's probably the easiest answer, but uh, overall, I think that they, they definitely have the better coach. Mike Sullivan's been able to uh, basically dictate this series the way that he's wanted to. He's been able to roll all four lines uh, and really get his team playing to a level that we didn't see in the regular season. The Penguins are hesitant to say they flipped the switch in the postseason, but I think anyone who has eyes that's watched this series can see that they're clearly at a different level of urgency and overall uh, determination in their game, and it's shown through the first uh, four games of the series. Next thing i definitely say is depth. Uh, that has really been on display, especially when you look at the flyer injury to Sean Couturier. Uh, Penguins lost a pretty significant player for Game 4 as well, and Patrick Hornquist last night. And I don't think you could even really, and no disrespect to Hornquist, but I didn't notice him not being there as much as Mm -hmm. I didn't notice Couturier not being there uh, for the Flyers last night. I felt like the Penguins just still were able to do what they wanted to do as far as getting those four lines out. And I thought in that sense, the fourth line in particular was uh, very, very good last night. And the final thing, I know that the power play for the Flyers was good in game two, but that's the only game that it's been good in. And the Penguins' power play has been given a lot of chances in this series due to the lack of discipline from Philadelphia. And uh, credit to them in, in the moments where they needed to make them pay and get goals that were important and timely, they have, like last night when they opened the scoring with Evgeny Malkin's uh, goal there early in the first period. So those are the three things I would say that have really jumped out to me through these four games. I'll tell you what else Philly doesn't have. Josh Getzoff. <laughs> correct me, right. correct right. me if I'm wrong, but since you showed up, it's been nothing but winning. You know what? You said it, not me. And I'm not going to. Everybody's giving Sullivan credit for that, Josh. I think it's you. <laughs> Unsung right. hero. Hey, you know what, Mike? Your check's in the mail then. <laughs> hey, uh, you mentioned that uh, you know you don't want to say flip the switch, but kind of that's what this year's been, right? I mean, they start out and okay, you've you've done it twice and. Uh, the first half is what it is. Then in January, boom, you go on a ridiculous run and solidify and then kind of coast home. And now it looks like uh, they're so engaged again. 
how, how do you account for that? Because everybody talks about that's not the way you're supposed to do it, but that clearly seems to be the way they are doing it. Yeah, and, and you know what? No one knows how to do it like this team. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. They've obviously done it the last two years, and I think you look through the regular season, and, and the Penguins probably understand better than anybody that it's a, a marathon, and they've had some really bad games, as we remember, in the beginning of this period, where uh, beginning of the season, I should say, uh, where they did not look engaged. There were all these questions about who the third-line center was going to be, when certain players would pick up the slack. But all those questions have been answered here uh, and, and done so in pretty short time in the postseason. I think one of the biggest ones, and I'm sure you guys would agree with me, was Matt Murray. Uh, what was he going to do in the postseason? He was uh, very up and down this regular season. By his standards, he called it average as far as his overall play. But uh, he's been historically good uh, since the postseason has began for the Penguins, two shutouts in the first four games. And I'm sure you guys saw the statistic last night that I still can't get over that he's the uh, fastest goaltender to 25 wins in the postseason in NHL history. Uh, that's, that's wild when you think about some of the names that he jumped last night, like getting Jerry Cheevers and Grant Fuhrer, uh, Ter- uh, Terry Sawchuk, some of the names on that list that he jumped over. So uh, for a guy of his age to be able to do what he's doing right now, I think that that speaks volumes. And you're right, for the Penguins on the whole, like I said off the top, they'll never say that they flipped the switch. That's just not the words they're going to use. But there's no other way to describe it. I mean, we're all seeing what's happening right now. This is a totally different team uh, than we saw in the regular season. And I think it's a testament to them kind of understanding the uh, situation and being able to ratchet their game up like multiple levels. Josh, we've seen two early exits for Elliott. They've made Neuverth and Mrazek look out of sorts at times. Do they have any other Only options? I mean, are, are there any accountants in the Philadelphia area? <laughs> Can they maybe pick up a hitchhiker on their way across the state? What, what, uh, what, what they, are they, they going to do? <laughs> there's, there's always, I guess, that possibility. There's some interesting people between uh, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh on the highway, <laughs> if you look close enough. Uh, but, you know, I, I will say this, that the, the Flyers, as long as we know, guys, basically since the Ron Hextall days, they have not had an answer in net, it, not just against the Penguins, it, 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 overall. I mean, this is a team that has some talent up front. They, they have some good young pieces on the blue line. But you look at the game last night, I go back to the perfect example being uh, right around the, the eight, seven-minute mark of the first period. Penguins were getting totally dominated. Flyers had a ton of opportunities in their zone. Uh, they were surging. Matt Murray makes a couple nice saves. I wouldn't say any were ridiculously challenging, but he kept the puck out, which is what he is supposed to do in that situation. Penguins go five minutes without a shot, but their next shot comes off the stick of Phil Kessel, slips through the five hole, and Brian Elliott, it's 2 nothing. Penguins are off and running, and we know how the game went from there. Uh, but that's the difference, I think, the biggest one between these two teams right now is that Matt Murray has made these saves in all these games, and he's done it throughout his career in the postseason, and Brian Elliott has not in this series. He's just not been very good. I mean, he's been yanked twice in four games. Uh, Michael Neuvert is, is okay. He's not going to come in and light the world on fire, and Peter Morazic is a guy who wasn't dressed last night, but the Flyers got him after both Neuberth and Elliott went down with injuries, and he's the third option, I would assume, based on the goaltenders that were dressed last night. And, you know, he's a guy that when he gets hot, he can be very good. He's very streaky, but he also can go to the other extreme extremely quickly uh, as well. So I think when you look at that situation in Philadelphia, it's not very good uh, as far as the goaltending is concerned. It's going to be interesting to see who they go with in Game Four. I would be or Game Five, excuse me. I would be really surprised if it's Elliott because he's been given a chance now in all these games, and I just haven't seen him, you know, make the next step that he's been able to or has been asked to do by the Flyers and Dave Haxtell. He was good in Game Two, but aside from that, he's been kind of a disaster in that for the Flyers. 
Josh Gessoff of the Penguins Radio Network. Always appreciate you getting up and uh, joining us in the morning, Josh. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Game uh, number five could uh, finish it all tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena. I've got news coming up next. We'll be joined by Tammy Pescatelli in the 8 o'clock hour. She's got a show coming up at the Strand Theater in Zeleonople on May 5th. Gene Collier, Billy Gardell, and Stan Saverin still to come this morning as well. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's 36 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRayHall.com. Pittsburgh police are preparing for potential protests and riots should President Trump fire special counsel Robert Mueller. City officials say they have received information of a potentially large-scale protest that would take place in the Central Business District. Internal communications between the city and police officers warn the protest could happen within 24 hours of the firing and would be Semi-spontaneous? Doesn't sound like it's spontaneous at all. No, it sounds incredibly planned. Yeah, officers have reportedly been advised to bring riot gear to work until further notice. However, police also say they haven't evaluated the credibility of the info about the protest. One group called Nobody is Above the Law has called for massive protests in the event of Mueller's firing. He is heading up the investigation into possible collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign leading up to the 2016 election. Karen McDougal, the one-time Playboy centerfold who said she had an affair with President Trump 10 years ago before he was president, has settled her lawsuit with American Media Incorporated, the publisher of the National Enquirer. The tabloid bought her story for 150 grand in the months leading up to the 2016 presidential election, but decided to kill it rather than publish it. As a result of the settlement announced yesterday, McDougal is no longer tied to that contract. However, <laughs> the company will have the right to 10% of the money McDougal gets from reselling her story within the next 12 months. This ends one of two legal wars with women who claimed uh, they got hush money to remain silent about their sexual relationships with Trump. Of course, the uh, Stormy Daniels stuff is ongoing. I'm surprised that she's uh, that they let her get to free agency. I thought they might have slapped her with the franchise tag or something. Yeah, Kept that story quiet for a little longer. I heard she claim, uh, she doesn't want to tell her story. Which, if you don't want to tell it, then why would you yeah. care about being released from this contract? I, I told you from the beginning, her her like her story makes way less sense to me. Really? Than Stormy's, yeah. You mean the payoff or just the story no, just in general? just like her wanting to come out and her doing that whole interview and saying that she was in love with them and crying. Yeah, like I she, just don't understand. She. Where she's coming from. She claimed to have a 10-month relationship with him, and Stormy Daniels was a one-time thing. Right. Like, that makes sense to me. American Lung Association officials say a recent study found that Pittsburgh is among the worst in the nation in air quality. The report studied data from 2014 to 2016 gave Allegheny County an F grade for ozone, daily particulate matter levels, and long-term particulate matter levels. Allegheny County, the only county outside of California to get straight F's. The study ranked the Pittsburgh metro area as the 10th worst in the entire nation. I've never seen, like, you can actually see how poor the air quality is in L.A. Yeah, the haze. There is a gray line. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not sunny there till, like, 11 or noon because the sun has to burn off all of that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I knew that it was bad here, but I I thought it was much improved. I didn't realize we were F's yeah, across the board. I didn't know it was that bad either, but apparently it is. My grandma has stories of like when the mills would fire up, there would be this siren that would go off to basically alert you if you have anything out on the clothesline. Bring that in because it's just going to start raining soot. A Florida man really gave new meaning to the phrase pound a beer when he ran around a parking lot naked, beating on cars, shouting, I only had one beer. Several bystanders called police to report a disturbance in a supermarket parking lot. And when they arrived, they found Jonathan Betcher wandering around nude, except for a pair of basketball shorts pulled down to his ankles. (laughs) So tough to run. Yeah. That way. Uh, really, it's more of a waddle. <laughs> the police report says the 46-year-old had kicked over a cigarette vending machine. I didn't even know they still existed. Good Lord. Uh, and he so- must have just seen Rampage. <laughs> and some trash cans and punched dents into several cars. One deputy reported Betcher was sweating uncontrollably, uncontrollably as he was yelling, I only had one beer and I only wanted to smoke some pot. <laughs> He's he only had one beer, but he did do an eight ball. That He, <laughs> he conveniently left that out. <laughs> he is now facing 45 days in jail. Today is National Garlic Day, so celebrate with a mouthful of garlic today yeah. or maybe not. Um, <laughs> only 10, uh, 12% of people say it's okay to have garlic breath. But if they're really attracted to you, they'll deal with it because only 5% of people say they have refused to kiss someone because of garlic breath. I don't think it's ever really cool to have garlic breath, especially if you're a close talker. That has to be people in either new relationships or on a date. Yeah. Because if you are in a long-term relationship and somebody has garlic breath, you're going to give it the Heisman. It's a deal breaker. It's like, come on, Night's over. Really? Get out of my face. And only somebody in a long-term relationship is going to fire up a couple pieces of garlic bread (laughs) on a dinner like if i'm if if you're just dating somebody and you just met them you're not eating anything with garlic right you're eating a delicate little salad (laughs) or you got like you know a pocket full of dentine yeah (laughs) you know the most popular garlic food is garlic bread uh only only three percent of people say they don't like garlic Uh, On the flip side, 14% say they put garlic on basically everything. Yeah. It does uh, make everything just a little bit better. pretty tasty. Uh, Are you the kind of person or the kind of family that sits down to eat at the dinner table and you talk to each other and it's a nice civilized get-together? Yes. Oh, good. That's very very old-fashioned these days. I know. I have a hard time with it. it. Because that's how I grew up. So... Serena really wants to do that with the kids, and every time I feel like I'm being told by my mommy that I have to come <laughs> sit at the table, and I'm just always like, ah, can't I sit at the TV? And Well, a new survey asked people what other things they normally do while they eat dinner. People could give more than one answer in this survey. They found 55% watch TV or movies. Yeah. Which we don't have any kind of table, so we sit on the couch while we eat. Oh, really? Yeah. You don't so have a, a dining room table? No. Like, don't not have a dining yet? Room. Don't have a dining room. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Or a well, kitchen okay. table. Okay, well, then that makes sense. Yeah. You don't in even fact, have, like, a little breakfast nook? I mean, we do in the basement, but no, who wants to go- You can't eat breakfast in the basement. Who wants to go down to the basement to eat every meal? Nobody. 
Uh, 45% actually talk to the other people they're eating with. Surprising. I know that it's important, so I'm trying. I'm trying to get on board with that. Good. It's tough. With kids, it's probably easier because you talk about their day and they yeah. have exciting things to talk about. 15%. Eh, <laughs> you'd be surprised. Well, it's exciting to them. Yeah. That's a bit, that's a bit, that's a more accurate description. Yeah. 15% listen to music, which seems very civilized. Like, uh, like jazz? Like I just talking? imagine Hannibal Lecter sitting down with listening to some, yeah, some classical music. Not like Megan Trainer. Yeah. That's probably not good. Good dinner music. Mm -mm. 13% read. 12. This, I thought this number would be way higher. 12% check social media. I would have thought it'd be like a hundred percent. Do you, whenever you go out to eat, are you one of those people that has the phone out on the table? Um, because I am, and I didn't even realize it until somebody called me out on it. Occasionally, and a lot of time, a lot of the time, I go by what everybody else at, at the table is doing. Yeah, like if you're on your phone, okay, that's how All it's right. going to be. Then I'm going to be on my phone. You're too. setting the tone, right? With the phone, the phone tone. Yeah. 7% say they do absolutely nothing. They just sit there and eat yeah. in silence. So 7% of people are serial killers is what you're saying. <laughs> 5% will shop online. 4% will do work. <laughs> shop online. <laughs> Dude. Like, I, I'm, I'm all for multitasking, but I don't think you need to buy a beard trimmer while like, you're having some spaghetti. You're pretty busy if you're doing that. 4% uh, doing work. I just assume that's people eating their lunch at their desk. Yeah. That's what do you do every day. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. There's something that is very sad to me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Eating lunch at your desk. I don't know. It's well, just sort of like. I mean, our day is so different. Yes. If somebody who maybe they work a nine to five job sits at their desk every day and never goes out of the office. Like, yeah. you know, our day is. A, I'm, my day is done here by 1230. Yeah. So I eat my lunch as soon as we get off the air. Right. Yours I don't is, want to leave and come back. Practical and tactical. Yes. It's not as it, sad. But if I see somebody <laughs> it might be sad, I don't if know. If I but... just see somebody eating lunch at their desk by themselves, it makes me a little uh a little sad. I think a lot of people on this floor eat, eat at their desks. Well, yeah, there's nowhere to sit anywhere else. We don't have that a dining room table here. You are you are right about that. We got to get a dining room table. <laughs> yeah. We have this little counter out here now. There's a couple yeah. chairs out there. Yeah, but those chairs, unless you're an amputee, you can't <laughs> pull those chairs into the table. I know you can't. They're, as, they're as high as the counter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. In music news, though, the reunion between Bon Jovi and guitarist Richie Sambora appeared to go off without a hitch Saturday at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Don't look for Richie to be back in the lineup full-time anytime soon. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Not right now. Oh, no, I'm into the RSL thing. I mean, I've been working on that for a while, and I'm really, really happy with the way the music is coming out. And, you know, I left it, man. I mean, John was going one musical direction. I was going to another one. So, and you know what? There's no malice. 31 years is a pretty good run. We weren't one of those bands that took time off in between. Like, the Stones are smart. It took two, two and a half years off. Had a life. You too, same thing. You know, stuff like that. Bruce did the same thing. We never stopped, man. We just, and then when we did, I'm doing a solo. 
Is it just me, or does he sound loaded, or like his dentures aren't fitting? I was properly? just going to say, did he get a retainer? <laughs> what what is that? That's weird. Did he get new teeth and they're too big for his mouth? They, maybe I don't know. He sounds terrible. <laughs> he does not sound good. Uh, the band RSO that he talked about is Richie and his girlfriend, uh, guitarist Orianthe. They're releasing a debut album called Radio Free America on May 11th. Richie said performing with Bon Jovi for the first time since 2013 was just like riding a bike. No, I didn't feel awkward at all. I mean, don't forget, they were my songs, too. I, and, you know, when I'm on the road, I play them, too. And they go over like gangbusters and feels good. My new teeth don't feel good, though. He's, he's got that Nancy Pelosi uh, sound where it's like either you have permanent dry mouth or your teeth are too big. Yeah, or well, I'm, I don't know what's going on with him there, but ugh. or he's back on the sauce. He might be that too. Uh, while we wait to see, there was an interview with him in Rolling Stone afterwards after the induction ceremony, and mm-hmm. he si- kind of signed, kind of sounded like a jerk in the interview. Like Did he sounded ego. like he had a mouthful of skills? Well, no, or? it was it, it was a printed interview, but it, oh. it seemed like he was just his ego was so huge, and it's like, man, maybe that's why they you are not in the band. It's unfortunate, it's arguable but it, it, whether he got kicked out or he left. But doesn't it make sense to you? Like we always talk about this. Anytime these bands break up, I feel like that's more normal than the bands that stay, stay together. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, while we wait to see if uh, and when Sambora and Orianthe will be on the road, John Bon Jovi and his band got back out there last night in Orlando. They'll play Atlanta Friday and Charlotte on Saturday. They'll be on the road through May 18th in Montreal. Windy and cold today, rain and snow, temperatures in the upper 30s. Hard to believe in mid-April we're talking about wind chills. Whew. But the wind chill today going to be in the 20s. It's 36 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Billy Gardell doing a show at the Benedum on Saturday, November 17th with a special guest. Very special. Hasn't been announced yet. We don't know if it will be. We'll ask him when he's on the show at 9.15 this morning. But we have a pair of tickets to give away right now. Let's do caller number 15-412-333-WDVE. Caller, I said 15, right? <laughs> Riley Sheehan. Oh, nice. There Scored a go. goal last night. Oh, perfect then. Tammy Pescatelli, she's uh, stuck in traffic, but she's going to join us as soon as she gets here. Jean Collier from the Post-Gazette at 845 talking about the uh, death of Bruno Sammartino and the life of Bruno Sammartino. Stan Saverin at 945. It's the DVE Morning Show. Prince. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuit of Fort DVE Sports. Color analyst Bob Airy summed up game four of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals between the Penguins and the Flyers last night in Philadelphia with seven words in the second period. Penguins were leading three to nothing at the time, and Bibbs observed, and I quote, when you've checked out, You've checked out. (laughs) He was talking about the Flyers' complete lack of engagement, urgency, effort. I'd say Philadelphia was going through the motions, but that would imply that there was some motion. The Flyers looked comatose. No jump. And the Penguins made them pay and exploited it all night and won the game 5-0. Shortly after Bob Airy made that oh-so-on-point observation, Sidney Crosby scored 
walking out from behind the net and stuffing it on. I think it was Michael Neuvirth at that time. I forget which goalie happened to be yeah, in the net. Yeah, that's who it was. He scored on the mall, you know. Uh, Crosby's goal, uh, his fifth of the series, uh, his ninth point of the series, and that elevated his career postseason point total in Pittsburgh to 173. That's uh, one more than the great Mario Lemieux. Crosby asked about that afterward, and his reaction was typically understated to the extent that there was hardly a reaction at all. It wasn't really on my mind, to be honest. I mean, just focused on the game, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's done a lot and accomplished so much over the course of his career, and a lot of his records won't be touched. So, um, you know, it's, it's nice to be, uh, to be in the company, and um, I'm fortunate to play in some, uh, some playoffs over the years, and, and uh, you know, that's, that's the way I look at it. Now, Crosby's now first on the Penn's all-time postseason <laughs> scoring list. Uh, Lemieux is second, and it might not be too much longer until Lemieux is third. At least that was uh, Evgeny Malkin's take on all that. Uh, I'm close. I'm coming, too, you know. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I'm glad to play with Sid for sure. Like, he's an amazing player, like, amazing guy. Like, uh, And, again, every year, like, and, uh, he's worked hard. I mean, like, he's never stopped. And um, he's a leader, you know, last, like, uh, like, Four games, he's like, uh, like, I don't know, like, scored like five goals already, you know, like, he's like, and I, most like, he's amazing person, you know, it's like, uh, he's like, if you want to talk to him, like, one one, he's like, always like, uh, listen to you, like, uh, try help to you, you know, like, amazing guy for sure. He's never like, you know, like, busy and stuff, yeah. you know. He's like, got the time. Malkin with a goal and an assist last night. He's got 162 career postseason points, so he's 10 by Oh, he's going to catch the big guy. He might catch Crosby. <laughs> right. That's, that's not ending anytime soon, uh, presumably. Uh, that's what the Penguins got going for him. The Flyers got nothing. Uh, and nothing. Josh, Josh Getzoff brought this up, too, uh, about Patrick Hornquist. I totally forgot he wasn't playing last night. Yeah. Didn't notice him, did you? No. Just a little different alignment on the power play. Gensel wasn't exactly setting up shop in front Mm -hmm. and and hanging in there and taking all the crap that Hornquist does. Didn't really need him to, uh, The power play scored on its first opportunity and got him off and running, and the Penguins took it from there. Uh, Last but not not least, let's uh, give a listen to Mike Sullivan talking about the significance of Sidney Crosby passing Lemieux. Mario is one of the greatest players of all time. I think... uh, the fact that Sid has accomplished that at this point uh, puts him in very elite company with Mario, and I think that's a, that's a testament to um, you know to Sid's uh, his his uh, talent level, but also his work ethic. Uh, I, I think he's he's played in he's played in a lot of playoff games. He's led this team to a lot of playoff success, and uh, and that's the that's the player and the person that I've that I've really grown to respect. And so um, the fact that he's he's been able to accomplish that and, and be in the same company as Mario, I think just speaks volumes of how good a player he is and how, how competitive a player he is. Game 5 Friday night. Pens have a chance to end it there and move on to round 2. Columbus and Washington play tonight? They do. Finish him. They do. This is game four for them, or game four, yeah. two to one, uh, Columbus. Everyone has gone overtime. Game three went two overtimes. 
Not going anywhere for a while. <laughs> Philly, ser- Philly series is sponsored by oh Snickers. My God. <laughs> Philly cannot want to even come here at this point. Because even if they win, then they got to go back to Philly. Well, if you they see, got outscored ten to one. You see a bunch of flyers on the south side tonight getting all hammered. You'll know that uh, they're mailing it in. <laughs> yeah, what well, I wrote it down, and I can't none on what I did with it. They've outscored the flyers like eighteen to six or seven in the series. Yeah. No, I think Philly only has five goals. Oh, 18 to yeah, five. Yeah, they, they blank. Yeah, you're right. No, they, got, no, they got the empty netter. You're right, six. Yeah. 18 to six. And it hasn't been that close. <laughs> it really hasn't. That's sports. Thanks, Mike. Joining us now, it's been so long since Too long. we've seen her. Yeah, Tammy Pescatelli. What is up? How are you? Crazy, but good. I'm I'm freaking out that the snow is going on on April 19th still. Can you <laughs> no. believe it? There's a wind chill factor in the 20s today. And you know that I live n- north of here. In the yeah. snow belt. It, and anything above cranberry is the tundra. <laughs> like, <it> is, <laughs> right. I think people just, you know, absconded their, their weather. Th- I did not expect this. I mean, and no. I, you know, I'm a East Coast-ish, whatever we are. Right. Girl, I know about snow, but yeah. I think a lot of other people on the road today don't. <laughs> like, I think they, no. they thought for sure they should be in Florida. <laughs> They've or moved on to spring. Well, I think everybody switched their soon. tires, maybe. I don't know. I mean, when when is it okay to to start expecting spring? July. Okay. <laughs> I think that's. It. I think that's. It. I asked somebody about this yesterday. Wasn't it warm really late into the fall this year? But then winter was really brutal. Yes, yes, it was. We didn't get snow until after Christmas. I think really that stuck to the ground. Right. It's yeah. just it's just completely jacked up. You just don't know what it is. Although sometimes the kids are like freezing for Halloween, like that you can't wear all those girls going out to the nightclubs can't wear their whole costumes because it's so cold. I want to be a slutty nurse, yeah. but it's supposed to thundersleep. Let it go. <laughs> They're all doing their frozen stuff. You guys are sounding great. Thanks. Have you been to the new? Have you been yeah, here you since been we here got since this we studio? Got the studio? Yeah, one time, but okay. I think I was a. Uh, basically comatose but it's so bright in here i love it it's well, nice that's because randy's not here yeah. ah. when he's here it's very dimly lit he's got a he's got a well, light sensitivity levels. mike's got his jacket on looking nice and oh, slick yeah. over there that's kind of like your jacket too you got the little uh this is my, pilot the thing bomber going yeah my amelia Earhart. i'm hoping i'll get lost and have a day off <laughs> I, can't I think have. that's the only way to beat this traffic is if you get a hot air balloon or some kind of air travel I'm sure there's somebody, there's there's probably three air balloons in front of me, the way things have been going, you know? I'd have to stop at light. It's insane. Every I, I don't know what's happening anymore. Plus, you know what? This is also the time of day that you get caught behind buses and, yeah. and oh, you know, carpools and kids. And as a carpool mom, I mean... I, I try not to pick up the other kids as much as possible. <laughs> so, because I don't want them sneezing and hacking in the backseat of my new car. We have an early morning dentist appointment. Sorry, we're not going to pick <laughs> you up can't today. Do it. Tammy's got a show on May 5th at the Strand Theater in Zelianopol. Yeah. So, uh, looking well, forward to it. That's a beautiful theater. It seems to be. I keep yeah. seeing all the pictures of it. It ought to be fun. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I'm trying to work as close to home as possible sometimes. <laughs> Sleeping in my own bed has become my new luxury. Well, you got so much <laughs> other stuff going on. You haven't been around here much lately. I know I haven't. It's it's just been nuts. I've been doing all kinds like I filmed my old spe- or my new special at my old high school. 
Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Well, because you know how, like, you, why, why feel good about your life? Why don't you go back to the place where you weren't sure what was Tortured. happening? What drove you um, into comedy? Yeah. yeah. But actually, I was really lucky because, like, I, I wasn't because my high school guidance counselor told me that the only way I was ever going to be on TV, because I go, I want to be an actress. I want to be on TV. She's like, you're from here. The only person who's ever been on here has been a criminal. If you want to be on TV, you got to rob a bank. <laughs> that was her big advice. And then I went to Kent. See how it worked out? So uh, get your tickets to see Tammy uh, coming up on May 5th at the Strand Theater. Gene Collier is going to join us when we come back to talk about the huge loss. Bruno San Martino passing away yesterday. And Tammy's so good. I've not only gone to see her myself, I've taken the family. Is that oh. sweet? You carpooled. She's yeah. awesome. My oh, husband and I have gone awesome. to see Tammy. Yeah, you guys oh, have course. all been good. Yeah. Tammy's yeah. hilarious. I, I have my moments. Every uh, once in a while. Never disappoint. Never. Really? Well, thank you for saying that. You know what? I don't care anymore. I mean, I want to be. <laughs> I want to be funny. Like I'm so irritated with stuff. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love you. Got a new millennial outside. That's so sweet. You got a mm-hmm. new sweet little one. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, we got a deal a on that. Yeah. yeah, you got him. Like you can't get him wet after midnight or anything <laughs> like that. Because so I'm tired of trying to please the masses anymore. I'm just zooming straight for the people who are irritated with life, like me. And How can people get tickets to your show? I don't know, Val. <laughs> I would think that they could go to the strand. Dot com? I assume so. Yeah, we'll check that out. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't I came care. just to hang out with you guys. Uh, but, yeah, no, I think so. I think oh, the you get tickets? <laughs> at their yeah. ticket store? Probably some guy on the corner. My uncle has them in the back of his trunk. Um, no, I, I'll, you know what? I'll make sure I have that exact yeah, answer we'll for you. Out. And uh But, yeah, usually on my website, probably. Yeah, we'll get that, uh, which is... TammyPescatelli.com. Perfect. Uh, Billy Gardell joining us at 9.15 and Stan Saverin at 9.45. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. I'm Val Val Porter with Bill Crawford, Mike Brasuda on sports. Tammy Pescatelli in studio with us this morning. Randy is on vacation. Joining us on the phone now, Gene Collier, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Good morning, Gene. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tammy. Hey, Gene. How are you? Morning, Gene. I'm real good. How good, are you guys? Good. Hey, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, sad news. Sad news yesterday. Uh, we all heard about the passing of Bruno Martino, and you had a chance to sit down with him five years ago. That was 2013, right? Right, right. And uh, a number of times before that. And, you know, what a, what a privilege to do that. And, um, I mean, I, I really don't know how to describe... Um, you know what a decent and gracious and humble guy uh, Bruno is. Beyond telling you this, I mean, here's a guy who uh, sold out Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, something like 188 times. Unbelievable! You, I know. And when you sat with him, you felt like he was thrilled to be with you. That's wow. the kind of person he was. That's a special kind of guy. Yeah, that says a lot about him. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's hard. You didn't think this was possible on Monday, but, you know, the world is an even coarser, less friendly <laughs> place than it, than it was on Monday because that is a tremendous loss to not only everybody that knew him, but but everyone for whom he'd set such a great example. Well, and, you know. s- and so many d- different people, um, you know, commented on his death, not just in the wrestling world, but celebrities, politicians, oh, yeah. you know, the average fan. I was kind of shocked that the president didn't chime in, considering that they were in the same Hall of Fame induction class. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, WWE. <laughs> yeah, I know. There are all kinds of people were in the WWE before uh, Bruno. It was really crazy. Pete Rose was in there before him. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, Bruno kind of turned his back on the sport. I was never much of a wrestling fan, so I never really knew the ins and outs of, um, you know, uh, WWE politics. But, you know, Bruno was really turned off by the turn that wrestling had taken toward, uh, you know, vulgarity and uh, even kind of borderline pornography. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he thought that was a terrible thing for a wrestling champion to uh, you know, be swearing and drinking beer on TV and stuff like that. So, you know, he was not much interested when they first approached him about the Hall of Fame. He ultimately relented because he thought that they were starting to clean up their act. Um, but, yeah, the the Wrestling Hall of Fame, as conceived, uh, you know, was not up to the standards of Bruno San Martino. Let's leave it at that. Well, and I, I played a clip this morning of him in Piper's Pit with Rowdy Roddy Piper. And oh, yeah. I said just watching it and listening to it, you could tell he just wasn't made for that brand of wrestling. He no. was just too nice. No, yeah. I mean, he knew too much uh, humility. I mean, he was, he was uh, you know, not as uh, self-aware as, you know, all of the, you know, kind of egomaniacal engines that were driving the sport at the time. Uh, just such a great guy. And a guy that, you know, if you got to shake his hand and stand next to him, you always thought, here is someone who could really hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> he was like a Frank Sinatra of wrestling. You know, he was that yeah, Italian class kind of guy. He was so he, and, you know, I mean, Gene, j- just to think about the way that he grew up escaping disease and starvation, oh, hiding from Nazis. And this is all like before he ever had a professional career. He was skinny as a rail, comes here, just transforms his body into this machine and then, right. you know, spends the rest of his life selling out the garden. I mean, it's just an incredible story. He is. He, you know, he very nearly died. His his mother had had older siblings who had died, and she was just bound and determined that he was not going to be a, another one. I mean, they tried all kinds of, uh, you know, a, a weird uh, methods and stuff to keep him alive when he was really sick when he was a young boy. In the meantime, uh, Mussolini had fallen. The Nazi that Nazis had taken over their, their mountain village in there. Bruno had told me that his mother used to go into town at night uh, to try and find some food, uh, you know, at this uh, that restaurant. And he never knew whether she was coming back because, you know, mm-hmm. the Nazis in that era would take pe- random people into the town square and shoot them just to remind you that they could. And he told me, he, used to, uh, he said he remembers the rock that he used to sit on on the mountain waiting to see if his mother was coming back up the path. Wow. I mean, over, yeah. yeah. Pretty amazing. moving. Yeah. What an amazing yeah. story. Well, go ahead, Gene. No, go ahead, Val. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, you said you had uh, several opportunities to sit down with him. Was that prior to the the Hall of Fame induction or after? Yeah, they were both prior. The last time I talked with him was five years ago. That was right before uh, he went in. Uh, Yeah, what what a loss that is. Huge loss. And to the city of Pittsburgh, he was just such a hero and... Right. He so. just seemed like such a humble guy, too, like for, for how big of a figure he was, especially in that world. Um, I was just looking up some stuff online yesterday and, and growing up in South Oakland and being, you know, that park dedication that they did with Marino and, yeah. and him and Andy Warhol, mm-hmm. I guess. 
It just for him, you know, he, him talking about how he was just so grateful to be included with those other two names is it just kind of speaks to the the humility of the guy. Yeah, absolutely. That was his main thing. I thought. I mean, this guy has really no reason to be humble, and yet he finds a hundred reasons every day just to be humble. He's why used to watch the nightly sports call. Yeah. <laughs> really? Did he yeah. ever call in? Uh, no. <laughs> We don't have any sane callers, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he never called in and, and asked about clock management or the referees or anything? That's shocking. He called in the fire coach a couple times, I think, but I don't think so. Well, that's want- that's another yeah. thing that's so cool about him. Like I saw Jerry D uh, tweeted out yesterday that he grew up watching Bruno wrestle. Oh, yeah, I feel like studio wrestling, did. and then whenever yeah. he got the chance to meet him, Bruno was familiar with him because he read him in the paper. Yeah, that's and that goes to what you were saying. You know, just like happy to be with you. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he felt like he was, uh, you know, in, in that kind of Pittsburgh ethos. Uh, no better than anyone else, you know. They were no better than him, but he he felt he made them feel like they were they were, you know. But that's what makes this area so great. That's what mm-hmm. makes you know yeah. what I mean, where you can just roll up onto a, a you know an ice cream shop somewhere, and you'll <laughs> see someone like him just having yeah. a just having a cone, just yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I saw Lynn Swan one time at Giant Eagle. And, I mean, that's and, how it is. And we were both like tasting something, and it was—he was just like, "Hey, this is a pretty good sauce, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, you're you're in the Hall of Fame, but yeah." yeah. I saw Terry Bradshaw getting gas once when I was a kid. It was crazy, <laughs> just crazy, you know. Well, special guy and a huge loss, and uh, mm-hmm. appreciate you joining us to share your thoughts and your experiences with him, Gene. Not at all. Go see Tammy Pescatelli, one of my favorites. I've spent, uh, op- I was privileged to open with, uh, for her many, many times, uh, and she's just great. I mean, I've, I even came to appreciate her throwaway lines. Like, Tammy, when you say about your mom and uh, or was it your grandma who used to make your bed if you got up in the middle of the night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, she would say, uh, I know, and she would say, uh, uh, Tammy would say, uh, it's 2.30 in the morning. You're making the said, I know. You hungry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Tammy would say, yeah, I could eat. Aw, <laughs> thanks, Gene. It's probably way funnier in a different setting, but, <laughs> but I appreciate it. Thank you. You're the sweetest, Gene. You're so uh, funny in your own right. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning, Gene. All right. Bye. All right. Take See it you, easy. Gene. Uh, Billy Gardell going to join us at 9.15 this morning. He has a show as well. That's coming up in November. And uh, pre-sale tickets today, general admission or uh, general public tomorrow. But he'll give us all the details on that coming up. Stan Saverin at 9.45. It's a DVE morning show. It's 36 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter, Tammy Pescatelli in studio with us this morning. You're going to come back tomorrow, right? Yeah, I'm back tomorrow. Okay, I may cool. stay over here. because the way the, You might get snowed yeah, in. There is. I, I may just stay. <laughs> yeah, you might get snowed, snowed out. Uh, she's got a show at the Strand Theater in Zelianople on May 5th, and we have a link on that uh, or to that to get tickets on the morning show page at dve.com. Today is the 25th anniversary of that deadly siege on the Branch Davidians compound near Waco, Texas. FBI agents in tanks fired tear gas to try to get the leader of the apocalyptic religious group, David Koresh, to surrender. Koresh and dozens of members of his group had been holed up for nearly three months in that compound. A fire broke out and killed Koresh and 75 of his followers. Six Branch Davidians and four ATF agents died when federal officers tried to storm that compound 
compound in late February of that year. Isn't it funny? And now that there's still another cult, it's just the fixer-upper Chip and Joanna Gaines <laughs> shiplap cult that's out of Waco, Texas. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They are in Waco. <laughs> shiplap. Lock themselves inside a house and then totally remodel it. She puts shiplap in every house. Everything. Everything. Oh, it's so Did annoying. you even know what it was? No. Shiplap. I do shiplap. know. No. We're trying to get it out of our houses up here. <laughs> right. Uh, According to a study conducted by Harvard researchers over the past 80 years, the key to happiness is, what do you think it is? Money. The one key to happiness. Complacency. (laughs) Happiness. Settling. Uh, uh, No, it's just having good friends. Oh. Baloney. Seems having good relationships affects almost every aspect of your life, including professional success and physical health. And according to one of the study authors, loneliness is just as dangerous as smoking or alcoholism. Wait a second. Just because you have a ride to IRS court, it does not mean that you're happy, okay? Just because you got a friend that's going to take you over for your audit, that is not that does not make you happy. I really appreciate this ride. I'm going to go to jail now, but Thank I'll talk you. to you soon. Yeah, put some money on my books has never been the key to happiness. A video game collector bought some old Nintendo games recently at a flea market and ended up with a little more than he expected. Julian Turner purchased a bunch of retro games and thought two of them felt a little bit heavier than they should. So he opened up roller games and golf and discovered packages of drugs stuffed inside. Uh, he not- notified, notified police who opened an investigation and determined the packages were pretty old. Uh, and in an odd twist, he did some investigating and, I guess to try to find out if anybody else found drugs or put drugs in those cartridges. He found out that several years ago, another collector purchased a copy of the game golf, the same game and found five grand in cash stuffed inside of it. Wow. Whoa. Well, I got some old eight tracks somewhere. I'm going to yeah. take them all apart. <laughs> I really do. I bought them. I don't know why. I just couldn't see. There was like 60 of them in a box for like five bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, Somehow these are going to, but I didn't know I could sell them to drug smugglers. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> right. Yeah. And a new survey asked people what type of humor they found funny. Oh, please. I don't want to hear it. Oh, my God. Uh, anything. Yeah, 70, Well, 72% said observations on everyday life is what they find the funniest. Well, then I should have a better career. <laughs> <laughs> After that, it's observations about the news. Uh, wordplay. Puns? I guess. Uh, see, that's why we don't have better careers. Yeah. Controversial or taboo subjects, impressions, sketch comedy, improv, cringeworthy, awkward, and embarrassing situations, and toilet humor came in last. 7% actually said, Nothing. I find nothing funny. <laughs> I believe that, and they usually sit front row. <laughs> Why? Why is that a thing? Why do the people that don't have any interest come and sit right in the front row? Wait a second. I have to do the math. You just said 7%, right? Make, make me laugh. Don't don't find anything funny. So yes. hold on a second. So here's my calculator, right? Mm-hmm. Average show, let's say 250, right? Yep. Okay, times 7%. A percent. Okay, that is. Oh my God, that means seventeen people. <laughs> Aren't, if I did the calculation, that's a lot don't, of people. Don't, don't find, anything find funny. any. That means there are seventeen people that no matter what you do, 
aren't going to laugh. They're not into it. I used to, obviously, as a comic, you internalize that. You take it personal. But then I just started realizing, like, objectively, that person is miserable in all situations. Correct. They probably don't crack a smile at Kennywood. Yeah, well, I, I started, you're exactly right, because you do take it, and it's hard, you have to consciously remind yourself, and then I finally just went, wait a second, this is comedy, this isn't magic, like, yeah. I can't, this guy, this, yeah. this person needs therapy, not comedy, <laughs> like, I cannot help you, it's not my fault that you are miserable. But as a comic, don't you always find, like, I scan the room, and it's always like that face in the Bronx tale when he's at the bar and everybody's all happy <laughs> at the end, and he finds the one face that isn't smiling. You can't look I, away. I can't look away. Yeah, but you have to make a decision to not play to that, because there's a million times that I played to it, and you lose your entire audience for the one, for yeah. the one yep. person who is just... Mi- for me, too, it's also a different level now, too. There's a... there's women who there's like young girls who just like we don't want to hear what this old lady has to say who is she her makeup's not even on right you know what i mean like you're like you're just you're looking they're they want to see someone who's given a makeup tip and i just can't i always wonder just like why people have absolutely that they have no responsibility in going to see a comic like who i would never go see a comic that i had never heard of or just you know you know what i mean like yeah. whenever they paper a room mm-hmm. or it's like ticket giveaways or something and they just stumble in like it's, I, some comic came up with this observation but they're like you wouldn't do that with a movie you wouldn't just go into a theater yeah. of a movie you'd Still never even seen the tra- trailer right. for and didn't know anybody in and go oh this sucks it's like whose fault is it well, sometimes, though, the funny thing that I that drives me even nuts, too, besides all of that, is that they just don't feel like they owe you. Like, I, if you shut up for five, 45 yeah. minutes to Be an respectful. hour, if you could just stop and focus, right, mm-hmm. I will do my very best to take away your horrific life. <laughs> like, I will try mm-hmm. so hard to make you laugh. I will make you forget about your jerk-off boss, your your idiot spouse, your stupid kids, your dumb parents. I will do my very, very <laughs> right. level best to give you an... I want to give you one hour of laughter. Yeah. Where else does that happen? Like, no one goes, you know what, my job today is to make you smile for one hour. There is nobody... There there's nothing in our in our world besides a comedian who will want to do that for you, but they just want to argue and complain and mm-hmm. post on Facebook. Yeah, and ch- are more and more people like calling out to you during your shows? Once <laughs> they do, once. Yeah, and where, then are I'm we like, talking Jacksonville or where are we talking? Just anywhere. Like I think what happens to me is like they they jump in one or two times in the show, and then I think if they now. have any self-awareness at all, they learn <laughs> that this is probably yeah. not the appropriate time. I always go, this is not going to play out the way you think so in your head. Like yeah. this is not yeah. that moment. You that put the flamethrower to audience. Well, I, this is how I pay my mortgage. This is yeah. how my son <laughs> like eats. So <laughs> like you just, now you got mama bear behind it, you know? Right. David Copperfield could take the stand today in a civil trial against the magician and MGM. An audience member is suing Copperfield after he says he was hurt during one of Copperfield's famous illusions in 2013. In the illusion, people are taken on stage, they disappear, and they reappear then in the back of the theater. 
Well, this uh, gentleman claims staff were negligent. He slipped and fell as he was being rushed through a secret passageway, resulting in a traumatic brain injury. Lawyers for MGM and Copperfield say the man just tripped and that they're not responsible for the injury. Yesterday in court, <laughs> the big secret behind the trick was revealed after Copperfield's lawyers lost a bid to have the courtroom cleared. Well, obviously, in the beginning, like, he ran underneath in a secret passageway, <laughs> and it wasn't like an invisibility cloak. Like, he <laughs> ended up right. in the back. Yeah. He Brett Michaels himself on some <laughs> collapsing door or something. I don't know. Yeah, underneath the stage. But look, here we are again. Even magicians. Yeah. Somebody's upset. People are miserable. Yeah. I was telling you guys People off air, like... Sue. I I was making a stupid joke on social media. Like, I have to learn my lesson about social media. And I ended up in another controversy. Uh, A friend of mine, uh, you know that guy, Michael Rappaport? Oh, yeah. I I don't know him very well, but we're friendly on Twitter, and I've met him a couple times. Sure. And he was in this thing with with, uh, Johnny Manziel. And he said... Michael wrote, uh, Johnny Manziel is throwing shade. And I wrote back to Michael, uh, if he throws shade the way he throws a football, don't worry. (laughs) It'll never get to you. (laughs) And people went nuts. And then Johnny replied back and blah. And then he tried to Eminem it. Yeah, so what? I suck. So what? I had a drug problem. So what? I learned. What else you got to say about me? Oh, he went full eight mile on you and just ripped himself? Full eight mile. Full eight mile. And I was like, I'd like my $29.99 back for the jersey. That's what I would like, which I never bought anyway, by the way, because I think jerseys are more than that. But uh, it's so funny. Not, not his. I think it went right to the discount rack. <laughs> I know. His, his definitely is cleaning my house somewhere. Um, but it's funny how, like, it's a joke. Like, yeah. you can't take the joke. I mean, and, and to be honest with you, it's a true joke. Like, it's right, based exactly. on fact. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't good. He wasn't good. Maybe you're good somewhere else, but not here. Well, I don't know. Wasn't he hitting some, like, you know, OTAs or something and he was doing well? Yeah. Uh, we'll I see. Mean, Maybe if he gets cleaned up, he'll you know, I don't, I don't we'll know. find out. I mean, you know, he's, pr- he's throwing in a... a, a High school football yard? I don't. I don't know. Well, and it's funny though because that was the other thing. That's where people went nuts because oh, he's got problems and he he you know you're you're making fun of someone who has a mental health issue and I'm like you don't think that that caused mental health problems? You don't think the Browns have caused more mental health <laughs> For problems people, yeah. than one person? Does <laughs> right. the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many? <laughs> Joining us now, Billy Gardell, live from Los Angeles. Good morning, Billy. Good morning, you guys. Billy. Good morning, Billy. Hey, Billy. Hi, what's happening, Tammy? How are you? I miss you. I'm going to come stay at your house. You are? <laughs> All right. I got to start cleaning up. <laughs> hey, Billy. I got it- my Manziel jersey. I was just wiping the tables. <laughs> That's perfect. That's what it's for. You know how it was snowing the other day when we talked to you? Yeah. It's, it's still snowing. snowing. It's snowing again. <laughs> Late April. That's good, oh. Bill. You know what's well, you know what's good about having a Cleveland quarterback uh, uh, dish rag is that they it con- they come in twenty six packs, <laughs> so you can get a big brick of those rags. Uh, yeah. A pallet. They got those at Costco. They're just wrapped. That's a big bag. <laughs> well, Billy, uh, we announced earlier this week you got a show coming up here in November. 
Yeah, that's, I'm just calling to jump in. I don't want to take up Tammy's time, and everybody go see her this week. Where are you at this weekend, Tam? Oh, uh, it's May 5th, and you're not taking up my time, Billy. I'm All hanging right. out, so it's All no right. problem. Well, definitely go see this lady. She's super funny. Um, I am coming back home to the Benetton Center November 17th, and tickets officially go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. However, today there is a pre-sale from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. tonight only. You can get your tickets ahead of everybody else. And uh, you go to www.trustarts.org, or you can call 412-456-6666, or check out dve.com for information. You can get your pre-sale tickets today if you use the code word YINZER. (laughs) So let's get rolling on those tickets and have a nice time downtown. Yeah, that's a Saturday show, so people can make a a full weekend of it. Yeah, it's going to be real nice. I'm coming in. I can't wait to be home. It'll be the the week before Thanksgiving, so it should be about 98 degrees. It's going to be really, really nice. Can't wait to come home. And by the way, uh, how about our Penguins yesterday? I just had to call to say that Philadelphia got smoked. (laughs) They got smoked, Bill. You got smoked. That's all you have to say mid-sentence to anybody who starts talking about uh, any other hockey team. Yeah, but we just got, you got smoked. <laughs> when we were talking this morning about how it just doesn't even seem like playoff hockey, it seems like a, no. t- a Tuesday night in January game. Uh, it was it's really so, awesome. I mean, it was so, so good. Like, when, when you get five in a, in a hockey game, like by three, you're giddy. When it's three, nothing. That's like the Steelers being up like 28 to three. You know, you're right. just coasting. You know, you're like, oh, all right. I might even be able to walk into the kitchen and come back here without work. What's what's that stat you had this morning, Val? We've seen three goalies in this series. And Sid has scored on everyone. <laughs> oh, Who you got? I love oh. that. I love Neuver. Okay, love we'll score that. on him. Billy, maybe they can let you be the backup goalie. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could just sit there. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I cover pole to pole. I don't think, I, <laughs> I don't think I'd have to do that split. <laughs> Oh, well, glad to have you join us again this morning. Yes, uh, just a quick hit, and then and I'll uh, get out of your hair. Like I said, you can go to uh, trustarts.org or 412-456-6666 or uh, dv.com. And like I said, pre-sale is today, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., code word Yenzer. Subtle. That's a subtle. It's on brand, Bill. Subtle. And you're you're going to have a special guest on the show with you. Are you going to announce that special guest before the show? We get closer. Yes, Uh, I got a special buddy coming in. Uh, Joey O'Connell from Penn Hills couldn't make it. He's in a. He's got some work out here on a, a sitcom called A Man with a Plan. So I'm going to bring in a spe- another. It'll be another Pittsburgher, but it'll be a special guest opener. And we might even have a special treat at the end of the show. So oh, it's going to be a oh, great homecoming nice. and a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think my mom is coming with me. My oh, mom. Yesterday she found out I was going. And she's like, you know, I haven't seen your cousin Art in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that mean, Mom? I'm positive. Hopping for a ticket. (laughs) That's what that means. Should be lots of Gardells in the audience. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be a good time. It will be. So 39 minutes from now, get your uh, pre-sale tickets at trustarts.org. All right. Thanks, Billy. 
You got it. I love you, Miss Tammy. I'm going to trip to the Berg, and and I'll talk to you soon. And uh, I'll see you next Tuesday. And let's keep crushing it in the hockey arenas. (laughs) Love you, Billy. Let's do it. It's the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman on vacation this week. I appreciate you coming in and sitting in for a couple of mornings. Well, thank you. I'm happy to do it. I, it worked I, out. I, it's not, I feel bad because people go, why does she come when Randy's not there? Does she not like Randy? I love Randy. <laughs> Just happened to be this. I don't have a lot of time off sometimes. You know what I mean? Or yeah, or yeah. that I can just bust away and right. just go, hey, you're, I, yes, I'm staying at home today, but to my husband, you're on carpool duty now. <laughs> like, so. My mom just texted me and said that she really wants to come see you. She feels like you are her good friend because she watched your so- show so much. She's so sweet. I'm going to, I'll take care of your mom. I'll probably give away some tickets tomorrow if that works out. We'll yeah, do if that. you want to, we can definitely oh, sure. I have to call the theater and make sure they don't care, but either way, I'll pay for them. What do I care? I don't have a good code word because I don't remember any of my passwords. You know how you know? Oh, my God. Like, None of them. None. I have them all written down somewhere, and I can't find the sheet now. Right. Oh, I, the same thing <laughs> happened to me. Yes. Some <laughs> Russian hacker has it somewhere trying to figure out which Facebook post I'd I like to take can't down. can't get my Nexium prescription refilled. <laughs> I know it's horrible. I know it's on a legal pad somewhere in this house. <laughs> uh, so Mike Pursuta coming up next. Uh, sports uh, and Stan Tavern at 945. It's the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. I'm Mike Pursuta for DVE Sports, brought to you this hour by Caseta by Lutron Smart Lighting Controls. The Penguins were so efficient and uh, in such control of last night's 5-0 win over the Flyers in Game 4 of the Eastern Conference quarterfinals that if Kenny Malkin had uh, little, if anything, to complain about afterward. Yeah, Malkin was upset that he took a double minor for high sticking late in the second period with the Penguins in cruise control, but... Uh, other than that, uh, the Penguins checked a lot of boxes in taking a three games to one series lead. I can't say any, any bad words tonight. Like you know, like it's power play work, PK work, like uh, five on five. Like uh, like we like play hard. You know, with physical team. Like it's like amazing team. I'm 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 glad to here. You know, it's like every year I'm enjoying it. I love that voice. Can I just tell you She's something? She's my favorite. I, I don't, there's, like, I'm an old lady, and there's not a lot that gets me excited anymore, but that voice <laughs> takes me to another level. I'd, I'd, I'd be like, okay, whatever, whatever. What Two things <laughs> that you're always going to hear in every Evgeny Malkin soundbite. One is he's going to sound out of breath, and two, it's going to sound like somebody took all the words in a sentence and just threw them down the stairs. <laughs> It's just such a great, Yevgeny, okay, Yevgeny, whatever you need from me, play it again. I was like, I have no bad words to say. Oh, yeah, I was like, obviously. Oh my God. Really, what are you going to complain about, right? other than his dumbass double minor, which he's got to get that out of his game. That was so bizarre. I don't know if you were watching that, but he, he didn't even realize he did it. He did it with the butt end of his yeah, stick. Yeah, he, he was He does a lot of things weird. he doesn't even realize, but if they play a better team, you can get burned by that. that right. Uh, of course. It was 4 nothing at the time. And that opens the door to make it 4-2 going into the third. You can bang a couple mm-hmm. quick power plays in and change it completely. But other than that, uh, the Penguins were really efficient. Uh, they were really solid. And uh, the few instances that they weren't, Matt Murray was there. Here's Chris Letang. He was solid again. And, uh, and, and that's what Matt brings us. He's, he's so calm out there. And uh, when, when you kind of... Uh, you're getting a bomb from every every angle. So he's just so calm in his net, and uh, he makes the, the the key safe for us. 
I know. How does that get you going? The it's Russian versus less. the, the French-Canadian? That's yeah, not no, doing no, it for I, you? No, no, no. It's, it's the Russian that just tells me, like, I'll vote for whoever you want me to. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I must break them. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's back Yeah, you the, grew up at a time. Rocky time. Yeah, you came up when must, Rocky Four came out. <laughs> yes. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> 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 Matt Murray made 26 saves last night in uh, registering his fourth shutout over his last six playoff games. And it wasn't, wasn't a particularly stressful night for Murray, but uh, Latang did reference that one stretch where they were getting bombed from everywhere, or so it seemed, and Murray stood tall. Uh, Mike Sullivan liked the way his team played in front of Murray and the way Murray played on uh, the rare occasions when the Penguins broke down. You know, they had that one extended shift in the first period, I think it was, and uh, I thought Matt made a couple of big saves for us. I also thought when we had the power play and, and uh, Konechny comes out of the penalty box, the breakaway save is a, is a big save for us. And um, when you get those types of saves, it, it certainly helps your team's chances in winning. And, but that's what Matt does for our group. I thought he was locked in all night long. Um, you know, he made the timely saves for us when we needed him to. And uh, and, and so the, those, those are big points in the game. But you need to, you, you have to get that save if you're going to win at this time of year. All right, now, Tammy, there's your third fun with accents, the Boston guy. Yeah. You got the Russian, the French-Canadian. And I, the, I do the like the Boston guy. I mean, I have to definitely. Yeah, it's the old lady dating game. I'm lucky I can hear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Sonny? <laughs> moving forward, forward. we like to uh, have fun with Coach Sullivan. Uh, Matt Murray, uh, that that save on Kopechny uh, when he came out of the oh, penalty yeah. box. That was ridiculous. A breakaway save. That's the kind of stop. It, turn it around. Does, does the game change if Brian Elliott can come up with a stop on Phil Kessel on the two-on-one when it's one-nothing? Elliott could not. It was two-nothing to Penguins. We're off and running. Then uh, Kopechny coming out of the penalty box, that was a chance for uh, Philadelphia to get back into the game. Uh, didn't happen. I mean, Murray does such a great job of tracking the puck to begin with, but the, the Flyers had no traffic in front of the net, so the lanes where he could see the one-timer by Giroux and Voracek and McDonald, I mean, it was clean, and they were shooting it right into his belly. And he should stop those. He'll tell you that, and he usually does that. Uh, the breakaway was uh, late in the second period. It was only or late in the first period, I should say. It was only two nothing at that time. So that was a maybe a pivotal point in what otherwise was a pretty dominating performance by the Pens. One other uh, play, or uh, I should say, reaction, I want to mention early in the game. Mike Sullivan credited Dominic Simone, who filled in for Patrick Horn. Didn't he call him Simon? I, I think like in the that. one clip you played this morning, Simon, you called him Simon. Des Prez. <laughs> he, he, liked, <laughs> a while. he liked his energy, and he said he played smart. He, you know, he got the puck to the guys he was supposed to, didn't overthink it. Uh, seemed to be enjoying himself his first career playoff game. Helped bring some energy to the team. Early in the game, uh, when Philadelphia took its first penalty, that was uh, Matt Reed, two minutes for holding. It was a delayed penalty, and the puck ended up in the corner in the Philadelphia end. And as soon as they blew the whistle... Uh, McDonald, the defenseman, went after Simone and grabbed him in a headlock yep. and was trying to mess with him and get him to retaliate and even out the penalty. And Simone wasn't buying mm-hmm. it. He just took it, skated away. The poison perspective for a guy playing his first playoff game. Keep your head. If you want to retaliate, do it on the power play. Do it on the scoreboard. He gets it. Yep. 
And that, if, the, if the rookies making their NHL playoff debut get it, that's a pretty good sign everybody gets it. So it's 5 nothing. <laughs> uh, this is just in. Uh, the Flyers are changing their name to the Flyer. <laughs> it was only one person that was playing. <laughs> they were moving the Singular. S. Singular. <laughs> They're Amelia Earhart. Nobody can find them. Big surprise, the crowd turned on them last night. Yeah, huge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they got Tristan Thompson. Well, they were they were booing during the game. Then I saw somebody posted a video on Twitter afterward. Yeah, I was looking at Twitter. I... You it's should okay, know Mike. better right, by Mike, now, We all right? have weak moments. They were uh, chanting uh, that they wanted the coach fired on the way out of the arena as they poured out into the South Philly night. He probably should be, honestly. He probably yeah. will be. Let's be honest. That's, yeah. that's a horrible. You said? Did you say this morning you would? Who was? Yeah, I, yeah, that's twice in four games. I, I don't. I did not expect them to win this series, and I'm not expecting Dave Haxall to come up with some sort of super plan that's going to beat the Penguins because it doesn't. They don't work, have the doesn't work that way. You don't have the horses. You don't have the horses. But they're. <laughs> <laughs> Their lack of involvement and effort in this series, like they're I just, think, they're has rolling been right over. Staggering. The, yeah. It's sort of like the way that the Penguins were playing under Johnston, yep. just uninspired. Yep. No compete. That's a great analogy. They're, yeah. they're losing every single puck battle. It's and just, whether that's his fault or not, it's he's on, the fa- he it's has on to be his the fall watch. Guy. Right. Yeah. It's either change the whole team or change him. What do you think they're going to do? Well, they should change the whole team. He was that's really, how it should be. He was a really <laughs> successful college coach. Uh, at North Dakota, but uh, he's not playing the University of Minnesota mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah, people are ripping him for sticking with Elliott too, for how leaky he's been in this series. Well, I, I don't blame him for that because he's got no option, right? Uh, you, you, we've seen the other two guys now. What that ain't that's not you can play any of the three; it's not going to matter. No, Crosby will score on any of them. <laughs> El, El, Elliott had his one um, stand on his head game in game two. That doesn't come around enough to win a best of seven. Usually, and it's not going to this time. End it Friday night. End it. That's sports. Thanks, Mike. Tammy Pescatelli in studio with us. She has a show at the Strand Theater in Zealion Opal on May 5th. Uh, we have a link to uh, the Strand Theater website. Go to dve.com. Pretty easy to find it. Do you have a Russian accent? Do you <laughs> get anything for that? Or? I, I'm just too old. It doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nice to be he awake. Dies, he dies. <laughs> I can't nice help it. That's just awake. a different time. <laughs> So it's good to have you back in studio. It's been a while uh, since we've seen you. Thank you, and then and, I'll uh, come tomorrow, so you'll be so you'll get enough of me because one day is not enough, right? No, we got to do a double <laughs> I need shot to be with you. Yeah, you can come back anytime you want. I love it because you're the family that I'd like to see. <laughs> <laughs> come over anytime. And I have hang so out. much to talk to you about. My uh, my brother has some more material for me right now. Oh, beautiful! That's nice. Yeah. I got some new material coming out of him. Uh- <laughs> How so? He got divorced and he's got another broad that he's dating, so uh, I got a new, at least another seven to twelve minutes. It's uh, the only way you exciting. look at things as a comic. It's the only way I can handle things anymore. I can't understand why it's become like the older you get, the more your family comes over to your house. Whoever does the best. And ruins all yours. That's why I'm fascinated, Val, that you don't have a table because no, I'm going to start table. taking furniture out of my house <laughs> so I can stop being the holiday spot. Yeah, that's what you got to do. It's, it's not tactical. Fair. <laughs> it is because it's not fair that I've worked so hard for all this good stuff and they get to come over and ruin it. <laughs> like you know, but there you, is an advantage to hosting, isn't way. there? Because then you can get really loaded and you don't have to worry about. No, not me, because I don't know who, what broad is stealing what. <laughs> 
What 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 other one comes over that should be sit would break lawn chairs? Like you know you shouldn't be on my stuff from home goods. Like that's not fair. And when you want to leave, you can't leave because right. it's your house. Yeah, can't really and kick you, them out right. either. You can't, can't tell people to leave. But I'm I tired. <laughs> Cake's floating, everybody. It's, you don't have I to go home, I, but you got to get out of here. That's exactly what I did. You don't have to. It, this is its last call for alcohol. It's time to go. The valet will have your keys at the door. By valet, I mean I'm tossing them out the door. You better look where they land. <laughs> and you can't enjoy it either because you're cooking, you're cleaning up after everybody yeah. you can't socialize no especially me the way i clean i clean like a, a crazy person i clean like i'm afraid well, there's pine gonna... in the baseboards or what i'm a i'm a lunatic because i'm just afraid that there's going to be some kind of black if i die i'd like it to be for a good reason not because black mold takes over <laughs> my body you know? uh well glad to have you with us uh this morning and looking forward to having you come back tomorrow we'll see you tomorrow thanks so much awesome stan saverin's up next it's a dve morning show it's an EVE morning show. Joining us now, Stan Saverin. Good morning, Stan. What do you think? We shut this thing down on Friday? Fat ladies of the universe, unite and begin singing. <laughs> It'd be over. Dominant performance last night. Yeah, really. Again. It's um, uh, the sweetest sound, with all due respect to all the great artists and musicians and symphony orchestra, the greatest music to my ears, is hearing those pigs who go to Flyers game <laughs> serenade their team in a chorus of Philadelphia in Boo Flat. <laughs> I love that. They turn on them. It's it's the best, and it was amazing to me. <laughs> For a team that, you know, they, they knew full well that they were fighting elimination last night. That goal by Kessel... You, I mean, you could just see it. They slumped. Yep. It was over. Uh, well, was, bad goal, right? It was a leaky uh, goal. I mean, it clunked That's in. That's what they've come to expect. Yeah. Uh, and it, the worst part for them, the worst part, there, I think there were four turning points. Number one, getting the first goal. You know, shut those people up. The Kessel goal not only made it 2 nothing, but it came after about a minute and 20 of sustained pressure. The Flyers had the puck and whatever, and and they didn't score. And then all of a sudden, it's rope-a-dope, you know, and off mm-hmm. they go on a two-and-one, two-on-one. Um, you know, the, the the stop on the breakaway by Konechny uh, was big. Mm-hmm. Um, and then killing off the two-man advantage, although at that point I think the game was over. Or I, sh- I should say the double minor. Yeah. Um, but it was amazing to watch that, that goal by Kessel uh, it just totally just took the air out of them. They were done, and they are done. And that four-minute kill, Tommy Kuhnhackle, the, the second effort by him to me signified that from the top line to the bottom, this whole team is bought in and that their compete level is just way higher. Look at the number of blocks that they've had. You know, People were talking about, well, Ian Cole's not here anymore, uh, and they're not blocking shots. They had, um, I think, 17 last night, which would give them 65. 16. 16? Yeah. So that would give them 64 in four games. They had 48 going in. Yeah, 24 in the first game. Yeah. Okay, the playoffs have started. Yeah, exactly. Time to do the dirty work. (laughs) Exactly. Like it matters, because it does. And they know that, and, uh, you know. 
You've won twice. And, and I get this, that whole flip the switch thing. I know people say it's not ideal and coaches don't like it, players don't like to admit they're doing it. But if you've won consecutive championships, why are you going to kill yourself in November? When you know you're going to be a playoff team, it's it's kind of the same team. The core is the same. They haven't gotten too old yet. They haven't lost uh, critical guys off the roster. They know what they had on their hands. And uh, what they're showing us so far, at least, is that uh, they understand what time of year it is now and how you respond. Yeah, I think the response thing is key. I, I agree. Uh, as long as it doesn't settle into complacency. Right. Um Okay, it's playoff time now. And that's a fine line. It is. You can fall, and I think that's what worried a lot of people. Uh, But I think that the coach has an awful lot to do with that. People kept bringing up the series in 2012. That is so long ago, and only three players remain. And the 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 lineups. Right. The, The psychology of this team. They're really mentally strong, uh, they're they're mentally tough. And uh, Borky was saying on the radio broadcast last night. Uh, they have the ability, which is demoralizing, even on the power play. They'll fool around for you know a minute and a half, mm-hmm. and you know terrible entries and trying to pass the puck, you know, across, and it gets intercepted, which they did last night. And all so a minute and thirty goes by, and all of a sudden, bang! Um, the the extended Philadelphia pressure. They don't score. Boom! They go the other way. Just it's it's just mm-hmm. lightning quick. Cobra strikes on the um, Kessel goal. You mean? Pardon me. On the Kessel goal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, really, they were hemmed in for a very long time. I think mm-hmm. someone timed it at a minute and fourteen seconds, which is an eternity. You know, guys are tired and whatever, uh, and yet all of a sudden, eight seconds later, boom! It's two to nothing. And that's yeah. what they can do to you. You know, it's funny too. They made that play at the end. Not that uh, the uh, Shane goal meant anything. It's just kind of showing off at that point. But the little Murphy flip by uh, Olimata, and that's the second time in a series, if I'm not mistaken, that they turned basically nothing into a breakaway just by doing that. They they have that kind of improbability uh, to, to read a play and then use their skill and make something out of nothing. And that's your fourth line. Uh, and you, you know, fourth line center, and, and you look at the production, obviously, from the top two centers. I really think Broussard is beginning to, you know, get a feel for it. And I think Shan, uh, if, if they give out these awards anymore, uh, the unsung hero, uh, I think that guy has been certainly since January 1st just been terrific. Third line center, fourth line center, penalty killing. He's their best face off guy. Uh, I think he's really underrated, and it's probably an acquisition. We talk a lot about getting Broussard, which was, uh, you know, a major thing, uh, but also getting Riley Shan. He, I just think he really solidifies that team. So he's the uh, Peter Taglianetti to Broussard's Larry Murphy. There you go. All he needs is some uh, a bag of peanut butter and a skate boot. And he'll, he'll be Peter Taglianetti all over again. <laughs> Stan, who's on the show today? Uh, busy show today. Uh, Double M, Mark Madden will be joining me today. Uh, also, Steve Mears will be joining us, the Penguins uh, uh, AT&T Sportsnet play-by-play guy. And speaking of guy, it's Stan and Guy Day. How awesome. So that he guy joins me at one, the one to two hours. So uh, Best day of the week. Yeah. A lot of hockey talk today. Stan Zavra, 970 ESPN and 106.3 FM. Thank you, Stan. Thanks to Billy Gardell for joining us. His tickets uh, go on sale in seven minutes. Pre-sale, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. today at TrustArts.org. Password is Yinzer.
and uh, general ticket sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks to Gene Collier from the Post-Gazette talking about Bruno San Martino. You, have you had experiences with Bruno? I did. Uh, and do, do we, have we got 30 seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first time I ever met Bruno was right here. And I used to come in. I used to do two hits a week on the phone on Tuesday mornings and in person Thursday mornings because it was an hour later. Right. So I come in, and they... Uh, Scott and Jim, they had mm-hmm. Bruno on as a guest. So he's coming out. I'm walking in, and I, you know, I was in awe. Mm-hmm. And I entered, you know, I introduced myself, and he said, You don't have to introduce. I said, I, he said, I know who you are. He said, I've enjoyed your work for years. I was stunned that he actually knew who I was. I really was. Yeah. Um, and, and we he, keep hearing this story that he was just aware of everybody, what everybody absolutely. else was doing. And, and I invited him to come on Sports Beat. He was thrilled to do it. And the thing that struck me, as you guys know, salespeople, other people who work in the building, I mean, their, their day is done at 5, 5.30, and they're out the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in those days, Sports Beat was on at 7, not 6.30. Well, not on any, in, any time anymore. Yeah. But um, Bruno came in, and a ton of office people stayed the extra two hours. Well, that says a lot. And one, and, and one yeah. woman who still works there brought her mother in, a little old Italian lady who loved Bruno, and they were all there to take pictures. And, and it was amazing to me. And then we did, I used to do a series on TV called In My Own Words. And, I mean, we did Mario, we did Dan Rooney and Jerome so Bettis, and, you know, all yeah. the biggest names in sports. Never got a bigger reaction, more visceral reaction than when we did Bruno. Hmm. We went to his house, um, you know, cameras and lights and, you know, everything else. And we just took over the house. uh, And he and his wife just couldn't have been more accommodating. Uh, And again, the response, again, of all those people that we did, we did Joe Green, we did Bradshaw. Pretty big people. Bruno got the biggest biggest response. I I urge them to rerun that if it is somewhere. I don't know if they will, but uh, just a wonderful, he's just a wonderful man, wonderful guy. Yep. Tammy Pescatelli, she'll be back with us tomorrow. She has a show at the Strand Theater in Zelianople on May 5th. We have a link to the tickets at dve.com. And thanks to Josh Getzoff as well from the Penguins Radio Network. Tomorrow joining us, Sean Collier with his movie reviews. As I said, Tammy's coming back. Uh, We're hoping to get Will Graves on to talk about the Penguins and and uh, hopefully finish that series off tomorrow night. And T.C. Davis is going to be in the DVE Coffee House. That's all tomorrow. Mike Steele's up next. He'll have the Electric Legend Noon on DVE. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.